Adaptee Chronicles podcast. We find and chronicle the aviation stories of aviators around the world who are making a difference in empowering the next generation. I am your host, Colin. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to the Avgeek Chronicles podcast. Man, everybody thought the podcast had disappeared. We received some questions on social media. Where's the episode? When's the next one coming out? I had to put a little pause to the podcast just for personal life. Had to focus uh, on me and my family. Had some things go on that you know I don't wish upon anybody. Uh, you know that's not all. There was some good and some bad. Um, but I just needed to take a little pause. Had to put a pause to the podcast. But the podcast still saw amazing support uh, and saw amazing downloads uh, in the downtime. But I am happy today to bring back the podcast. We're revving it back up and we're going to bring you some awesome content, some uh, awesome episodes uh, and really rev back up what I had been doing before. So, you know, in all seriousness, guys, it was an important thing to step away from the podcast just from a little bit. Had to focus on my family, had to focus, you know, on some things and taking care of them. Uh, Some good, some bad, as I was saying you know, things I don't wish upon uh, anybody or their family, but some good things, you know, I had to step away. My wife is pregnant. We're expecting, excuse me, our first child, baby boy. we got a new pilot in the house. Hopefully, hopefully my son picks up uh, flying. Um, But honestly, you know, I just want my son to live the same life that I've been doing, being able to experience the things that they enjoy and find passions uh, that, you know, that they pursue uh, that, you know, makes them happy every single day. So super excited to announce that me and my wife are expecting our first baby in February. Uh, So I had to be focusing a lot about that lately, Uh, you know, and some bad things happened to my family. Um, You know, everything is better now. Everything is all right. God's been on our side. So that's been awesome, but it was important that I stepped away for a little bit, focus, refocus myself, but now everything is great and I feel it's a great time to bring the podcast back and we're happy to do that. And today we're bringing it back with another episode of the Ask the Ab Geek show. And so if you guys remember from last time, last episode, I said, we're going to bring some new content. Uh, I'm going to save that for probably the next episode. We'll start short final uh, next episode, Uh, but hopefully we're going to start producing more Uh, and more content because I know you guys have truly enjoyed the podcast. This has been super interesting. Nothing like this is out there and we're bringing really interesting guests on the show. All right. So on today's podcast, I'm very excited to introduce two very special guests that I have with me today. We were talking about wanting to do individual episodes for each of you because I think you all deserve your own episode, but I pulled an audible and I wanted you guys to be on the podcast together because I've really been digging this whole group episode thing before and I think the listeners uh, are really going to like it and I think this is going to be one of the best episodes I've released so far. So I'd like to introduce to Av Geek Nation, Sam Eckel and Swain Martin. How are you guys doing today? We're great. Feeling great. Feeling good after a long weekend. Happy to weekend. be here. Yeah, it's been long. I mean, I've I've been up, I was up till two a.m. doing airline training. So, yeah, Swain didn't we are actually now. perform at the air show, so I'm a little bit more tired than he is. But uh, he was along for the ride. Right? I had airline training until two in the morning. So yes, that's true. Yeah. Second, that second block for two. Yes, <laughs> <Till> yeah. two a.m. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, do you enjoy the air show this weekend? Being, I mean, this is I guess is, we're we're in Fort Worth, so it's not really your hometown. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, good North back? Dallas, 45 minutes from here. My mom went to TCU, so we used to always go to the, the football games growing up. I love this area. Been had this uh, asterisk next to this show date the entire season, ready to come home, friends and family. It was an awesome show. Definitely miss Texas, and the crowd were Texas-sized. It was huge. Big I and think, rowdy. 
I think they broke a record this year. We had 70,000 on day one, and I think they hit 60,000 day two. I believe which I that. Which I think set a new alliance record, which was pretty big. Yeah, I was pretty blown away. I mean, I've been to a few air shows, but this was one that was definitely, I didn't expect the crowd to be that big. Um, you know, coming from some places like Oshkosh and stuff like that, it, it felt like comparable with the amount of crowd watching it, you know. It's going to be tough because next year's year th- year 30, excuse me, and this was 29. And I don't think, as air shows for civilian air shows, I don't think you can have a lineup better than what we had this last weekend. I mean, we had you guys, we had the 16s, we had the 35s, we had the blues. I mean, the, the V280 we brought in from Bell. I mean, I don't think you can get anything better than that. And this was your first first alliance it was yeah and sadly you know i had um train i had my check ride on saturday night for my recurrent training so i couldn't be there saturday but i heard envoy brought a embraer 175 in so i had a few friends who flew that airplane in um i wish i'd been there but i'm glad that the airline was able to come out too so it's a huge recruiting tool for him oh it's huge yeah it's big um but all right thank you guys for joining me today i think everybody's really going to be intrigued on what you guys uh have to say about how you guys have kind of gotten where you uh where you are but we're going to begin this by, I'd like to, you know, I'd like you guys to introduce yourselves. Um, where are you originally from? How old are you guys? Kind of the quick uh, story on you. Cool. So, yep, I'm Swain Martin. Um, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I'm uh, 22 years old. I'm an airline pilot currently at Envoy based out of Chicago O'Hare. I went to University of North Dakota for all of my professional ratings and my degree. Flew for Mokalele Airlines for about a year. Uh, to build my hours up in Hawaii um, before I came out to the regional world to fly the Embraer 145, which I'm on now. And beyond being a pilot, I run some aviation media stuff. So I do YouTube videos explaining how to become a pilot, different paths you can take in aviation, and then also help write and edit uh, content for Bold Method pilot training. How did you survive the North Dakota winners, man, those are terrible. A Great lot of layers. Gone. Yeah, a lot of layers. <laughs> I mean, I was so scared. I, being from Richmond, Virginia, I was like, no way. I'm not, I'm not going to North Dakota. Like, that's crazy. It's the Midwest. It's cold. It's brutal. Um, my mom got me this like $500 like down parka and she was like adamant that I was going to be warm. Um, I was I did great with it. The only negative thing that I really ever had was my car. The first year, my freshman year, my car's heat broke. And the window got stuck down because my friend rolled the window down with ice on it. So I was driving around with a ski mask and goggles on when it was negative 40 for like a week. Yeah. So I barely survived, but I made it. Well, the other negative thing was there was no Chipotle. So uh, you big Chipotle fan? There, I love Chipotle. And <laughs> tell, there was tell, no, tell them that story. There was the Chipotle no Chipotle in Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> but my friends and I, we loved it. So we, I, I had leased a small airplane, like a small 172 with some buddies. And we flew to Fargo. <laughs> to pick up 40 burritos, which we put in the back. And we made this video about it. Clutch. And Chipotle's like social media team got all excited when they saw us post it. And they ended up like sending all of us like $500 gift cards to go to oh get God. like Chipotle catering whenever we wanted, um, which was awesome. So we, was we did like that a few times. Was like in the dead of winter? It was like February. So it was cold. It was maybe like, it was cold. It wasn't super cold. It was maybe like 10, 15 degrees. It wasn't too bad. Bet it kept the plane Swain cold. Martin, yeah. the burrito boy. Yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, unknown fact. Yeah, I love Chipotle. All right, what about you, Sam? Man, yeah, so my name is Sam Ekholm. I guess most people on Instagram, social media, know me as Second Lieutenant Sam. Um, and that's because, yeah, I'm an officer in the United States Air Force, and I'm a member of the F-22 Raptor demonstration team. So, yeah, it's my job. Officially, I'm the public affairs officer. Um, so what that means is kind of do all the photography for the team, the video for the team, 
get to set up all our community outreach events. So we've got to do some awesome stuff this year. When you have a team like the Raptor, pretty much everyone's trying to get a hold of us and get some of our time to showcase what we're doing. And I get to be the one kind of behind the scenes making that all happen. So we've done some stuff with NFL football teams, Major League Baseball teams, pretty much every event ever um, around air shows. People want us there. And I'm only saying this because it's just been an incredible year of opportunities that I've gotten to take advantage of. A um, little bit about me. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, so right down the road from you, Colin. Um, decided I want to go to the Air Force Academy, kind of following my dad's footsteps. He went back in class of 89. My uncle was Air Force Academy class of 93. Both of them ended up flying tankers in the Air Force and now have moved on to fly for the airlines. My uncle actually flies for FedEx. So that was a dream for me. I was like, I'm going to go to the Academy. I'm going to fly. I'm going to do what they did. I'm going to get right into this aviation thing and love it. Um, went to the Academy, kind of goals changed a little bit because I realized, hey, there are a lot of people doing this pilot thing and they're great at it. I think I can best serve the Air Force, maybe being on the ground behind the scenes, kind of help telling that story and using a little bit of my creative mindset. If I have one, I don't know, Swain, what do you think? Do I, I have think one? you do. And I think you should explain why you're not a plane spotter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not a plane Swain spotter. People like to joke, you, joke with you about that because you take pictures all day, but that is not your job. So. Yeah, I guess I'm not a plane spotter because I <laughs> focus on one plane. So can you be a plane spotter if you take pictures of just the Raptor? I'm know. sure you could be. Anyways, be. so um, I saw that public affairs career field was pretty interesting. I was like, I can do this. I can do some video stuff. I can be behind the scenes. I can get in front of the camera. I think I could find a way to pick up um, the slack, kind of what I think the Air Force is lacking a little bit, which is tapping into that younger generation in a way that they can relate to using the social media platforms that they're all on every single day um, and do it in a way that hasn't been done before. So graduated from the Academy in 2018 hit the ground running, got stationed at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia. And all of a sudden I heard about this team, the F-22 Raptor demonstration team, and they were looking to bring a full-time public affairs officer on. So I'm sure your viewers know who Major Loco Lopez is. <laughs> I remember sitting down with Loco. I think you made him famous. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Tell him that because you know, he thinks it's all him. Um, Anyway, and I was like, I just interviewed for it and, and they liked what I had to bring to the table. They're like, all right, this guy's young. He can kind of reach that younger generation. So they picked me up and I guess the rest is history. 25 shows a year all over the world. I've just been loving every second of it. And hopefully all the viewers, all your fans, everyone else has been able to follow along for the journey. Are you the youngest public affairs officer <laughs> to be in the team? I am. And the team definitely lets me know that. The joke <laughs> You're the youngest on the team in general, I, yeah, Youngest right? on the team yeah. in general. Um, so they all give me a hard time because I'll try to say something and they're like, LT, that's what they call me, LT. They're like, I've had my boots longer than you've been in the Air Force, son. <laughs> Stuff like that, which is funny. But I will say, Colin, being young is great because I can kind of reach our target demographic of recruiting, right? We want those 18-year-olds, um, people who are thinking and getting ready to go. And I, you know, so recent from college and I can kind of, you know, engage with them maybe a little mm -hmm. bit better than than uh, Uncle Loco, as we like to call him, sometimes can. But no, he's great. <laughs> no, that's something that uh, we're going to talk about, both of you, with. You guys are pros uh, on that side, and we're definitely going to get your guys' thoughts um, on that. But growing up, while you guys were growing up, kind of what was, explain your childhood a little bit. Like, how was life growing up as you two? Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, Richmond, Virginia is where I'm from. Um, I grew up in an amazing family. I have a brother. Now I have five stepbrothers added into the mix with a stepmom and dad. I have a huge family. We, it's, I had an awesome childhood. Um, grew up a lot doing stuff. My family really supported my aviation interests from the beginning. Um, I, no one in my family flies. I'm the only one who's a pilot. 
Um, but my mom, my grandfathers, they would take me to air shows and museums, build models with me, like stuff like that. I think that's like what sparked the aviation like bug maybe, you know, in me when I was a little bit younger. And when I was in high school, it's actually funny. Like I had all my friends in high school who were like highly successful at what they did. My friends were like the student council president, the soccer captain, the tennis captain, um, people who were leaders of the glee club, like everybody had something. And when I was 15, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I really don't have anything that I'm super good at compared to them. Um, and I realized that aviation was something I was passionate about ever since I was a little kid. So I took my first flight lesson when I was 15 and then just started on that track. And that sort of became my thing. Um, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, the SparkNotes version of how that worked. So, yeah. What about you, Sam? Yeah, first off, <coughs> I hadn't heard all that Swain. That was awesome. Yeah, Swain was also you very, he was very successful day. in high school, too. He always had his thing. <laughs> like, let's not <laughs> fool the crowd here. <laughs> now, for me, very similar. I know I talked earlier about how my, you know, I came from kind of an Air Force family. Um, both my dad and uncle went to the Air Force Academy. But actually, but really did it. I came to an air show. Um it was actually the Alliance Air Show when I was growing up. Yeah. And I saw the Thunderbirds perform. So was it up there at Alliance or was it at the Navy base? It was at, yeah, Navy base. Navy so base. Carswell. Okay. Yep. Well, whatever it is now, Naval Air Station, Fort Worth. I saw the Thunderbirds and I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. So it kind of is cool to now be in that same circuit however many years later now helping kids feel that same thing. That's one of the coolest parts about this job. But saw that and then kind of full speed ahead, I was like, Air Force Academy is what I want to do. So I became literally obsessed with that school, learned everything about it. Pretty much knew all the quotes and all the things we had to memorize before even day one. I was ready to go. Um, and then got out there and really did have an awesome time in Colorado Springs for four years. Know how much everyone knows about the academy, but freshman year, it's a bit of a haze. They don't like to use that word, but I guess it kind of is. Um, and then essentially, you know, you just get to do things that you don't get to do at any other college. I mean, travel the world, um, talk about flying all different types of aircraft. I got to jump out of an airplane five times. It's the yep. only place in the world where your very first jump is completely solo glider rides you can do powered flight um did you do that all yeah we did literally yeah. everyone pretty much has to do all of that and you can do uh incentive rides so as a cadet at the air force academy you're in the top of the list so you can go on leave and, and take a ride in the back of a t-38 and f-16 f-15 um they really give you all of these opportunities for aviation and also there's so many career fields outside of aviation so um that was me you know growing up i that was my dream wanted to go there and, and do that and um I guess the whole reason where I am today is because of just all the awesome opportunities the Air Force Academy gave me. So to anyone out there who's thinking about going to the Academy, um, I would say go for it. If you're the right type of person who likes to work hard and likes to be challenged um, and really has a you know big plan for your future, the Academy is somewhere that can help you just fantastically get there and give you some awesome opportunities. Sweet. So throughout, you know, starting from your childhood up to where you guys are, now, what have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned and that you still hold very close to you today? Uh, some of the biggest lessons. So this was a huge one for me. My mom always said something to me growing up um, when I would get frustrated, you know, when other people were influencing like what I was trying to do. Um, she always said never look sideways. So, you know, keep your mind straightforward. You have a goal. If you have something in mind that you're working hard on, keep going with that and never look sideways to compare yourselves to other people to see what they're doing, how they're trying to influence you. Because even from the very beginning, I mean, when I started writing um, this blog called uh, From Private to Professional Pilot, which was like the first thing I did in aviation media um, when I was 15, I just got like ridiculed by my friends. Like, you know, they weren't being super mean about it, but it was like, oh, you're blogging, you're writing these blog posts. Like, what's the point of this? 
And it just, you know, people would joke about it and it just was annoying. And the funny thing is, if I had stopped doing that, I would not have gotten noticed by Bold Method to get on as a writer. I would not have started making YouTube videos, which means that I wouldn't have been flying in Hawaii, that I wouldn't have done amazing things like flying with the Thunderbirds or be producing videos for an airline. And that's all because of the fact that I chose to ignore people that were, you know, kind of trying to come at something that I was passionate about. Um, so that whole mentality of like never look sideways was something that like I really took to heart. And even now, I mean, when you put yourself out there online, as Sam knows too, you're going to have people that dislike what you do. You're going to have people that judge your content. They're going to have people that judge what your motivation is. Um, I get it all the time from other pilots at the airline, from people who don't you know, know me or know what my goals are. And you have to remind yourself that you're doing something that you, you do in fact have uh, motivation to make this something really good that's really positive and you have to kind of ignore those people that might not understand who you are or what you're trying to accomplish. So it, It's really tough. I, I love how yeah. you said that because it's tough when your own colleagues are the ones who sometimes detract yeah. from you too instead yeah. of supporting you because, I mean, you're all the same people. You're doing the same thing. Right. Yeah, it is tough. And, you know, for me, a, a good example of that would be I worked really hard for about half a year um, to get approval to film around the airline, around the airline operations. And it took about half a year to get that approval in place through a variety of different kind of resources that we used. And that that goes against a company policy that we have, which doesn't allow normal employees to go and film um, in the airplane, in the simulator training environment. Um, but I have a special approval for that because of the process that we went through. And so there's sometimes people that will look at me and are like, well, you know, why does he get permission to do this? And we can't. Um, and that's something that's hard. I mean, it is hard when you have colleagues who might not understand the purpose of what you're doing or something like that. It makes it tough, but, um, you just have to remind yourself that you're doing it for a reason. So, well, you also work hard to be doing right. what you're doing and exactly. you also worked hard to get yeah. those. I mean, even has small as approvals to be able to in there. Right. You'd be like, Hey, you could do that same thing. Right. Just put in the same amount of work that I did. Right. Right. <laughs> so what about, what about you, uh, Sam, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? so far. Yeah, I was just smiling over here because Swain put it very well in a lot of the things he was saying. Also, you know, transition the same for the Air Force. Um, biggest thing about the military is it's, you know, been around for so long. And there's a lot of kind of tradition rooted in the idea that, hey, we've always done it this way. So this is the way we're going to do it. So when I kind of jumped onto the scene with the demo team, um, I wanted to bring some like unique ideas to the table have never been done before. And flash forward to now, you know, we can say that's, you know, been pretty successful. But when I was first trying to get approval, there was just so much backlash, so much, hey, this is not what we want to do. For example, like putting a GoPro inside the cockpit of the F-22 Raptor, people are like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, well, let's take a second. Like, if we're not showing anything classified, everything that would get on camera, you know, would be okay. Like, why not just take a look at that? And so I was able to, you know, show the recruiting numbers, be like, hey, this is the impact we can have if you let us do this. And I just ran with it. And it was months and months of approval and documentation to get it done. Um, so to answer your question, Colin, it's just like never take no for an answer because there's always a way to find a workaround. Um, if you just work hard and show people kind of the why and why you want to do it. And, you know, obviously the numbers have spoken for themselves and I think people are loving it. Um, but that's one of the biggest things in the military that I've learned is that, hey, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to tell you no. But if you find a way to present it to them in the best way possible, usually that no can turn to, at best, maybe a maybe. A maybe. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then a yes at the end. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's true because there's no real straight line to anything any of us want to do, right? I mean, it's you have to take either those zigzags or that, that long route yep. in order to, to kind of get where uh, you want to be. So let's kind of let's jump into now kind of your your guys's academic backgrounds because you guys are both in the industry and you both took very very different backgrounds. So Sam, why did you choose 
the academy route versus other commissioning avenues. I know you said, you know, one of the reasons was your your father, but you also had the opportunity to say you, you could have gone to UND and commissioned a different way. Right. Why? Yeah, just being 100% candid for me, it was like I either want to go all in with it or I don't want to go in with it. Um, and just shout out to everyone who does stuff like ROTC or officer training school. I mean, you're right. The end result is the exact same. And those guys are awesome and fantastic and nothing bad about them there. But for me, it was like, OK, I'm either going to go all in, go to an actual you know, service academy live, breathe it every single day, make it happen. Or I'm going to do the, you know, traditional school route, kind of get the college experience and make that happen. And that was for me, it's just, you know, I wanted to give a hundred percent to it. Or I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I'll just kind of do, do more of the, the traditional thing. So yeah, the Air Force Academy to me was an opportunity to just do something different than all of my friends that they were doing in high school. I mean, maybe one or two kids go to a service academy every single year. I mean, you guys know it's it's very competitive to do. The application process takes forever. So kind of, I don't know, it's a little bit daunting when you're in high school, but I was like, you know what, rise to the occasion. Let's see if I can make this happen. Um, so that's kind of why I decided to go. I don't know. It was... It was a challenge, but it, it was, it's a cool place. And it's know. four tough years, too. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not the normal college experience. It's not. And I <laughs> thought I knew that. You know, I told you I was obsessed with it. I was like, I know everything about this school. I'll tell you what. I got there day one, and I was like, why did I go here? <laughs> you see all your friends hanging out, having a good time throughout all four years while you're, like, up at four in the morning studying for a test or preparing your room for, like, a room inspection. <laughs> Like what is what is going on? But everyone that graduates from the academy, they like to say it's it's a great place to be from, not a great place to be at. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely reaping those rewards now. Looking back, yeah, it was always funny. My, my family's really good friends with the the Air Force hockey coach Mike Seratori. He's been a there, legend. He's been oh my for gosh, years. Yeah, um, but See, I remember, UND has a great hockey program too. It, so it's funny yeah. because I spent I think three summers in a row uh, up in Grand Forks um, playing. They, they would run like training camps every summer Oh, cool! Uh, yeah. for like, I would say higher middle school to high school kids. Mm -hmm. And we would go up every summer and train with them. So I have experience playing in both arenas, nice. uh, which is really fun. Yeah. But I love, I love Inglestead in, mm -hmm. in Grand Forks, but there's just something about the Academy arena. I don't know what it is about that building from the basketball court to the track, just Clean something arena, about yeah. it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's fantastic. But one thing he said, he's, he goes, you might be gung ho about going to the Air Force Academy right now as a youngster, but I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into if you do really come here. And he would always put that in my head. He goes, yeah. if you ever come here, you got to be ready to put in the work. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Swain, give me some feedback on the university route. I've had a few guests who have done that route, but sure. I've never had a guest who's mm -hmm. been at UND. UND is very prestigious mm -hmm. for its, uh, for its aviation uh, track. So <laughs> It's cold. <laughs> Swain's over here smiling, very prestigious. I'm sure it is. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure so why why UND versus a riddle or something okay. else? Yeah. So um, there are a few reasons for me. Um, I guess you know, just with that school you named right away. For me, the thing was cost. Yep. Um, I looked at different aviation uh, programs around the country with colleges. And there's a few that are really, really good. Um, there's some that are bigger than others. I'd say that there's maybe less than 10 that are really solid, large programs. Um, and for me at the University of North Dakota, one of the big reasons I chose it was because after a year of living in the state, they automatically give you in-state tuition. Oh, wow, so for me, my in-state, my out-of-state tuition was about, I think, 20000 a year. And after one year of living in the state, 
that's the only requirement really besides converting your driver's license they drop your tuition to 8000 a year which is insane i mean you compare that to some other private aviation schools that the tuition might be 36 40000 a year you can pay for your entire college degree off of one year of tuition for those schools mm-hmm. um you know flight training is of course on top of that at every school but that was a huge reason for me. The other big reason was um, that I went. I wanted a normal college experience. Like I wanted to go to school where there were people that weren't aviation. I wanted to have that awesome program where I had friends that were involved as pilots. That's a really important part to me because, um, you know, for me, being surrounded by people that are in the same group, we're working on the same things. We can't necessarily go out and do the same, you know, things like on the weekends that other people might be able to because we actually are sort of like student athletes in a way. I mean, we have like an extra 20 hours a week that we're doing um, aviation training that's outside of classes. So having that group near me was really important. Um, And then having big school sports like UND Hockey is amazing. Um, And some of the other teams that they had were really cool because it was a normal college environment. So that was a big thing for me. Only real downside being in North Dakota was cold. Um, It's kind of brutal. And there's not a a lot to do per se, but when you have a solid group of friends, I mean, you can live anywhere and have a good time. So I, I don't regret it at all. It was the best choice. Going through flight training while you were at UND, is yeah. it tough to do it? While um, it's that cold in the wintertime? Oh, in terms of cold? Yes, it depends. So actually one of the funny things we would do, people, generally speaking, college students don't like to wake up early, right? The one exception for that is in North Dakota at UND Aviation where everybody would compete for the 5 a.m. flight slot because if you got the 5 a.m. flight slot, you do your pre-flight in the hangar before they've brought the airplanes outside. <laughs> so you get to your pre-flight in the it. heated <laughs> hangar. That's epic. And then they bring the airplane out, you get in and go. So you're not literally walking around the airplane when it's negative 30. Um, they did have flight temperature limits on a solo. I, I don't know the exact number, but I want to say that for solo flights, it was like minus 20 wind chill was the limit. And for dual with an instructor, it was like minus 25 or 30 was the limit. Um, so they would go all year. The bigger problem is ice yeah. and snow on the ramp, stuff like that that would cancel flights but um the cold weather i mean you just get used to it up there you you do you do it all year so and, and you're lucky because you really don't have to experience cold for at least two years unless they put you somewhere after exactly <laughs> well just real quick i mean uh, you know the colorado springs definitely got pretty cold but i'm over here like wow i think i would have actually died if i were at the university of north dakota yeah, yeah. see we go skiing when it's cold we get all excited yeah, there's no hills in North Head Dakota, so you can't do that either. You could go cross-country <laughs> going to, skiing. Going to Vail for the weekend. That's more like a yeah. marathon. <laughs> like, I know it's cold. Yeah, Virginia, it's nice, hot, and humid. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of miss it a little I, bit. I miss it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so for you, because a lot of people don't know or they don't have any firsthand of what life in the academy is actually like. Can you give a brief overview of kind of, because he, he's saying 5 a.m. wake up call. That, that's great. Everybody was gunning for it. But I don't think everybody was probably gunning for the schedule that they put. Yeah, I'm over here like, that's, that's cute, Swain. Yeah, 5 a.m. wake up call. Those wake ups weren't so fun. adorable. Yeah, we'd go in bed at 5 a.m. No, yeah. So the academy, it's laid out. It's a four-year program, just like any other university. Um, you know, you were talking about all your scholarships, too, at UND, and that's, that's so incredible. And I just want to say, you know, the academy has awesome opportunity there where it's completely paid for. Um, you get a full four-year, full-ride scholarship there and a guaranteed job when you graduate. So pretty sweet. But to answer your question, freshman year is definitely the, the toughest, right? And that's where you're you're earning your status in the cadet wing, right? So that's when you're not even allowed to wear civilian clothes. You have to run to class every day on these strips on the perimeter of the campus, right? You can't walk a direct route. You got to square your corners. You got to eat square meals out of tension, right? And and got to be studying, um, you know, pretty much all throughout the day, right? Um, 
And that goes up until March of your freshman year when you hit recognition, which is the big culminating event where it's a whole weekend where you're doing physical training, getting yelled at by the upperclassmen and really just proving that you belong in the cadet wing. It sounds so different from a normal college experience. <laughs> I know, right? Sometimes I'm like, man, what did I miss out on? <laughs> but then Swain reminds me and I'm like, okay. Well. Right, right. <laughs> Um, yeah. And then so after you make it through that freshman year, they call it dually year, um, you get an opportunity to really kind of take advantage of what the academy has to offer. Um, and we had talked a little bit about that earlier. But after your freshman year, um, you can do what, like I said, you can either do the soaring program and get to fly one of the academy's gliders. You get 12 flights with the opportunity to solo on your 12th. If you like it that much, you can spend your summer upgrading to be a soaring instructor pilot and get to go down to the airfield every single day and teach other cadets, other freshmen how to fly, which is awesome. I chose to do the jump program because I really wanted to throw myself out of an airplane. <laughs> like That's I crazy. said, only place in the world, your first jumps by yourself. So they put you through 30 hours of ground training and then say, see ya. So uh, I don't know about y'all, but I have more takeoffs than landings. So it's true. I guess it's the only. I guess it's like the only place in the world, unless you have to like eject or something. Yeah, it is right because most places you're doing tandem. <laughs> right. Um, so cadets really look forward to the summers because that's where the academy is just awesome. Just living the dream every single summer. But it's a rigorous course load throughout the academic year. It's kind of like high school again. You're taking pretty much seven classes a day. You have your major, but there's so many core classes that you really aren't doing your major majors classes until you're about a junior. So even if you're an English major, a business major, you're taking aeronautical engineering, astronautical engineering, electrical and computer engineering, computer science, et cetera, all of the above, because um, they want that well-rounded cadet once, you know, to, to lead airmen one day. Um, so then, yeah, each summer you get more and more opportunities to lead as well. So you can start working basic training when you're a junior, literally be the ones out there with the freshmen, kind of a throwback to when you were out there running around. You're now the ones leading them. Um, they'll send you to an Air Force base somewhere around the world to get that real life experience. It's called Ops Air Force. So I got to go out to Travis Air Force Base in California after my sophomore year at the academy. Got to ride in a C-17, a KC-10. Spent the weekends with my friends up at Lake Tahoe down in San Jose. It was a great time. And the whole time we're like, wow, we're getting, we're getting paid to do this, right? It's, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> cool. And then senior years, when you start getting serious, you're like, man, I need to start thinking about what I want to do. You start putting in for pilot slots. So about, I'd say 70% of the academy goes into pilot training. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a pilot shortage going on in the Air Force right now. So for all those people who do want to fly, that is one huge plus about the Air Force Academy is we have the most slots. So for ROTC, OTS, you know, if, if, if flying's what you want to do, the academy is, is one of the best places to do that. Um, so yeah, long days, like I said, we'd have Saturday morning room inspections. So you know, we'd be there with our friends, get some Chipotle, get some pizza. We didn't have Saturday <laughs> morning room late. inspections yeah. Yeah. at UND. Yeah. If you had a Saturday morning room inspection, I don't know what you'd find. <laughs> so our rooms are spotless. Our beds are folded with hospital corners. We bring out the ruler to measure our t-shirts in our drawer. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. Unlike, in a, unlike any other school, but at the same time, like I said, wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm still learning how to fold clothes. <laughs> I still can't fold my clothes. <laughs> yeah. So you lived a rigid life for four years. Does that rigid life continue after Academy or is it finally able to, you know, relax just a little bit? Man, when we threw our hats in the air on May 24th, 2018, the Thunderbirds flew over. It's like a completely different lifestyle, yeah. actually. They give us what's called 60 days. So like I said, every summer at the academy, you're doing something. You don't have the traditional summer break where most colleges have three months off to work, do whatever they want, do internships. No, at the academy, you're doing different military programs. But once you graduate, 
after your senior year, they give you 60 days of paid leave to travel the world and do oh, whatever wow. you want. So that's kind of the start of that, that lifestyle. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously if you go to pilot training in the air force, it's, it's, it's pretty rigid, you know, it's, it's strict. You, it's kind of like almost going back to basic training at first, just cause we pride ourselves so much on training our military aviators to be the best in the world. So there's a very strict curriculum and syllabus there. Um, but if you choose not to do the pilot route or do any of the other hundreds of career opportunities, it's just a time to catch your breath and relax a little bit at first, get your own place for the very first time. Because at the academy, you're living in a dorm all four years. So yeah, it's a little bit of a breather. Take a little bit of a mental break and relax after four years of fun. And then you joined the the, uh, the demo team and now you're just on the road every single <laughs> yeah, weekend. Yeah, so I probably only nice. had about three months to catch <laughs> yeah. my breath and then it was back at it again. He's, a, he's on the road more than I am and I'm an airline pilot. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. We do yeah. 25 shows a year, um, but I say a year, it's more like an eight month period, right? During the mm -hmm. air show season. So just back to back to back to back. But hey, get to travel the world and take advantage of just these incredible shows and performers and meet the entire community. It's been incredible. So this is a good segue now. Let's talk about career life because we're, we're starting to talk about that now. For you, Swain, everyone wants to know kind of what is it like in the, the day in the life of an airline pilot? You know, okay. um, tell us, give us a background, you know, from let's go all the way back to your Mokulele days. I okay. Because really that's kind of where your airline life started. Yeah. So kind of yeah. give us that life from being able to start there Sure. And now to where you are today. Yeah. So when I started at Mokalele Airlines, which is, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's a small part 135 uh, carrier in Hawaii. We transport passengers around between the islands. Um, just like any airline, it's a small operation. It's basically like a, an airline on a micro scale. So we have baggage handlers, we have ticket agents, we have dispatch. Um, and we operated as an airline with normal passengers on board. Um, the really cool thing about being an airline pilot for Mokalele was that, excuse me, um, we didn't have any overnights. So my day would start at either six in the morning and go till about 1 PM or it would start at about one, two in the afternoon and go till eight or nine at night. Um, which meant that in the morning or in the afternoon, um, I could go with my captain. I knew all the captains because there were literally 30 pilots for our base in Kona. Um, we'd go to the beach, we'd go, you know, snorkeling or spearfishing or something like that in the morning or in the afternoon before or after the flights. Um, and it was a great way to build flight time. I mean, I could build a solid, um, five and a half to seven and a half hours of flight time a day, um, all in one block. So when you compare like a, for instance, like a flight instructor, um, a flight instructor might get, let's say five hours of flight time a day, but they have an hour pre-brief, they have an hour post-brief after each hour of flight time with students and then breaks in between. Whereas I had like 10 to 15 minute turns. So I would get five and a half to six and a half hours of flight time in about seven hours. So it was really solid. So if I did a week of flying, I would knock out like 40 hours of flight time. Um, built my hours up that way to a thousand hours, which is what I needed with my restricted ATP to go to Envoy where I am now. Um, and lifestyle has definitely changed a little bit. Um, there's pros and cons, the career progression at Envoy, um, having the career progression to American Airlines or other carriers that you can apply to is amazing. Um, the days are a lot different now. Um, I'd say my average, now that I'm a line holder, I probably have on average maybe between 13 to 17 days off a month. But when you're gone, you're gone. Um, you're gone for three or four days in a row. Um, and on the Embraer 145, we operate shorter hops too. So um, anywhere from our longest flight at three hours to our shortest flight that can be 20 minutes from uh, Dallas to Waco or Tyler, Texas. Um, and we'll do between normally, I'd say an average three or four legs a day, sometimes five legs a day. Um, 
it's a lot different, but you know, the regional airlines right now, it's like the best time in the world to become an airline pilot. Um, I haven't regretted it at all. There's pros and cons. I, I wish that I had taken more advantage of my lifestyle in Hawaii. Um, when I lived out there, like I loved it so much, but I got tired of going to the beach. I got tired of hiking. And I know that sounds stupid. You tired of going you, to the beach. You, lost, I did. you make it I, sound I so bad to be yeah. locked up on an island. I, well, you know, actually it's funny because I did get island fever after like a month. It was sad. So I was there for like June, my first month. And I was like, I'm stuck on this island. Like I literally only have been on this island every day. Like I need to go somewhere. So I went to Tokyo for three days to my uh, friend Sydney um, and then came back and it was it was funny because I was escaping the island by going to another island. But anyway, um, it was really fun. So I do miss that lifestyle. I wish I'd taken more advantage of it when I was there. Um, but I really enjoy what I'm doing now, too. So and let's just briefly yeah. let's talk about the lifestyle for a sec, because, I mean, it's not easy starting out and, right. and working for a small, uh, small mm-hmm. operator like that. Right. And I have to ask you, you introduced us in your videos to your car. Oh, yes. Your car in Bullseye, Hawaii was, I, I feel like that was the legend of your your. It your was. I there. wish I had spent more. See, that, that was like one element. I was so glad I got to include my videos because like that is much more me as a person. Like that car <laughs> represents so much more than anybody can understand. Um, Bullseye was a legend. So I bought it. Um, I needed a car to get around the island. Hawaii is very expensive. Cars are expensive. Maintaining them is expensive. It's crazy. But I found this old 95 maybe it's like 94 volkswagen cabrio from a buddy of mine who went to sky west um who sold it to me for i think 800 dollars when i got there as an fo and it was perfect for what i needed it to do um as you saw in the video i mean nothing worked on the car like literally nothing no ac no locks i apparently the convertible hood works like it was a manual thing where you could fold it down but i didn't discover that for four months. So for four months I was driving around in my hot car, like 80, 90 degree with no AC or air ventilation at all. When I had a convertible top that worked, I, I was a little bit upset after I found out that it worked, but, um, that car was hilarious. And I ended up keeping it in the Mokalele family by selling it to another FO who got there because they don't get paid a whole lot for a small carrier like that for, I think, five or $600. So, But but what's great, yeah. and I think about the process that you guys are both going through, is whether you choose the route, Sam, that you've taken or yeah. the route that you've taken, you got to start somewhere. Oh, yeah. And it, you know, starting at the bottom, it's not easy. And I think, especially kids trying to go to the airlines, they, they look at airlines because people are getting paid way better now than they were ever before. Yeah, they they are getting paid way better. And even then, I mean, you're starting jobs, you still don't make a lot. I mean, you have to hustle. People ask me, you know, how can you possibly afford living in Hawaii off of um, $20 an hour that they were paying FOs? And the answer is you can't. So living in somewhere like Hawaii, it's just not possible to do that when your paychecks literally for the month are like $1,600. I mean, that's not a livable wage for somebody who's living out there. So I had two other jobs. I mean, I did video production and I also worked at Bold Method to be able to make that money to make that happen. And most of the people out there had similar situations where they had other jobs. They had saved up money on the mainland from before when they came out there. And then they were able to build their time really quickly and move on after that. So it was a bit of a sacrifice. And you'll find that still, even though salaries are increasing, you'll still find that at small carriers around the country, especially some of the smaller cargo and passenger carriers like that. So why why the airline route versus cargo or versus you know, taking a route, you know, like Sam is used to the, the air force or military route in general. No, that's a great question. And honestly, if I had three lifetimes, I would do all three. Um, (laughs) I, I really would, I would love, 
they all have their pros. I would love to go into the military and be able to do military aviation. I've been able to be around a little bit more by being around Sam um, and then also working with some of the other teams too. Um, for me at this point, um, I would have to give something up to be able to go into the military. I still could, in theory, go to the National Guard or something like that, Air National Guard. And there are plenty of pilots out there who do both. Um, but I would probably have to give something up. And for me, where I am in terms of being able to explore the video production world and really grow that as I'm a pilot, it's it's what I've always wanted to do, so I'm happy with it. Um, but in terms of passenger airlines versus cargo, I love people. Um, I've jump seated all over the world on cargo airlines, and they're so fun. The lifestyle is different. You don't have people behind you, so it's a much more relaxed environment between crew members. Um, and in fact, I guess one funny story. I don't know if I don't know if I've told you this, Sam, but when I did my first ever cargo flight on Atlas Air on a 747 from Tokyo to Anchorage. I get on board and the Japanese agents got off, um, all the cargo agents got off and instantly the crew started like stripping down and I was like, what is going on? And they all started putting on pajamas and this yep. captain put on um, pajama bottoms with pink fuzzy slippers and like this silk smoking jacket with like dragons all over it. <laughs> and I'm like, this is hilarious. He's flying this 747, taking off in Tokyo, flying over the Arctic Circle to Anchorage in like a in pajamas with like a silk smoking jacket with like dragons all over. I was like, this is crazy. This is not what you would see in the airline the world airlines, yeah. at all. Um, so that's really cool. That kind of stuff is awesome. Um, but I love people. I, I like being in the airline world. Um, and so for me, it seems kind of like the right fit. So yeah. Yeah. it's really funny because I have a buddy named uh, Brandon. He, he, he actually just got on with a uh, organization, I want to say up in Michigan, Flight 747 for cargo, but that was the oh, one sure. thing that he said he absolutely loves for all his friends that fly in the airlines is as soon as he gets on board, they, him and the pilots, they, they take right. off what he calls the monkey suit. Right. And right. <laughs> actually met like, I would, like they'll have, for instance, like at some of those carriers, they'll have like an 18 day trip overseas, yep. which is crazy. Um, where they're flying for like 18 days in a row. And I met one pilot who said he brings one pilot shirt for 18 days. Now, if you ask any crew member, if they wear one pilot shirt for more than three or four days, they would think you're disgusting. But the reason that he would do that is because literally he explained, he was like, I wear the shirt for about one hour a day to the airplane and then back from the airplane to the hotel. I, and that's it because I'm otherwise in my clothes walking around or I change when I'm on the airplane. Yep. It's basically for show. So that's kind of cool. That's, that's yeah. it's just crazy the the difference between you know how you guys as airline pilots live, how cargo pilots live, and oh, how yeah. Air Force pilots live. So Sam, let's let, let's ask the same for you because it's interesting because the average person that wants to be you know like you wants to be known as you know a top videographer they they wouldn't choose the Air Force as the route to go or even the route to to think about and but have a position like you're in today. So tell us more about why you chose this route you know, being a videographer in the Air Force and how or, you know, what was the process of landing the gig that you have now with the F-22? Yeah, so the Air Force is very unique in that at a very young age, they give you tons of responsibility. So what do I mean by that? You can be 22 years old and literally fly the F-22 Raptor, right? So if you're talking about the airlines, you know, it takes a little bit longer to get to that higher seniority to be able to fly, you know, maybe certain types of jets for certain types of airliners, but hey, like the Air Force at a young age, I mean, a couple years of pilot training and then, hey, here are the keys, go have fun. Same thing works for me in the video world. You know, at a very young age, um, first assignment for me, I'm able to be on the F-22 demo team, traveling the world, 
the only one in the world who's able to get as close to the jet as I am and make the content I am just because the Air Force gave me that opportunity. Um, and so for people who think, hey, you know, maybe why would I go to the Air Force to do video stuff? You know, why not be a civilian contractor and do that? There are a lot of things that you can only do if you're in the military, right? So like I've got to fly in the back of a T-38, you know, shoot Major Lopez flying, you know, from a KC-10, KC-135, all of these awesome opportunities that if you're into that, there's no better place to do it than actually be in the Air Force because if you're in the Air Force, you're the one that's front and center for all of these opportunities. And I knew that, and so I was like, heck yeah, I'll do this. Um, and at the same time, you know, you can always live your own personal life, right? So it's not military 24-7. Like, I can go home each day, take the uniform off, and, and still travel the world, you know, go with Swain to different places, non-rev together, do our own video stuff, do our own photo stuff. But then on the other, it's like a whole different world then. The Air Force has, you know, gives you all of these opportunities at a very young age, all over the world, unlike anything you can do anywhere else. I mean, it's just kind of like you have two social profiles. For, it's really like two personalities, right? <laughs> right. Like you have your military personality and then you just have your regular personality. Right. I mean, it's totally different, but it it's is. the opportunity at the Air Force um, gives you. So how was, you know, how has this assignment challenged you pretty much in your first year out of the academy? So I used to say, you know, I, I doubt I would ever be more busy than I was at the Air Force Academy. When I was a senior, I was a cadet squadron commander. So there's like a hundred cadets under me that I was having to like lead and make sure we're taken care of. And, you know, literally marched in formation at the front every single day. Um, and I was like, no way am I ever going to be more busy than this. But I'll tell you what, being on the F-22 demo team with, you know, we just hit 100,000 followers on Instagram alone and people all over the world that just want to see our jet. And to me, it's a challenge unlike anything I've ever experienced because I owe it to them. Our team owes it to them to showcase this beautiful piece of engineering that I'm probably more busy now than I was at the academy, if you can believe that. Um, now, I'll say I don't have to be that busy. It's not like it's you know something that has to get done. But Swain knows this well. It's just I set up pretty high standard um, and I wanted to achieve something that no one else had done. So I'm very busy, Colin. Yeah, you, when you know says, it. When he says busy, he's understating. I mean, I'll I'll see Sam up all night, literally. Like, tell me that he's like when I wake up for my trip sometimes um, to go fly at like four in the morning. Like when I have an early wake up in Akron, Ohio, he'll text me and say that he's going to sleep because he's literally been up all night long editing a video. Gotta get that video out, Colin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. people want to see it. The people want. The people want to see it. They the do. People what they want. It's just impressive. It really is. I don't. know. I mean, yeah, it's crazy to to manage social media like that alone. I mean, most companies keep in mind, um, airlines, corporations, when they have a following that big, they have a social media department. They have Sam. So it's really interesting, you know, seeing how he's able to manage that by himself. I wish that he had more help, honestly. So. <laughs> It's it's yeah. kind of funny because you know I, I work for Bell, a major OEM, yep. and I'm I I I really try to get them to understand the whole social media world and how it really really helps, and right. the fact that you can actually sell a helicopter on oh, yeah. social media, it works. Um, but to be able to do that as a one person team versus a major corporation that not only do they have a whole department, or they hire a different company to do it themselves, and they can't produce what you've been able to produce right. for the team. I think the key is, it's just that like, really, if you find something you love, it doesn't feel like work. You know, people always say yep. that like to me, it, it really hasn't felt like a day of work yet. I mean, we're traveling the world and I'm getting to do the stuff 
that used to be what I did on the weekends. It was like, this was my hobby doing this stuff. And now I get to do it for my job. Mm -hmm. So I'm fired up to put out a video and spend 20 hours editing a 60 second Instagram video with crazy transitions and hyperlapses and you name it, Mm -hmm. because I'm so excited to see the fans watch it, get to see the Raptor. Cause it's kind of the, for so many years, it was this kind of hidden mysterious jet that no one got to see. Um, And so just unlimited potential. That's kind of what I look at. Like where, how far can we go? And um, it's awesome to just see the positive results and the fans get super excited. That's, it, uh, that's I was just going to say, it's the same way. I mean, with me, like we both care so much about aviation media. And for me, like his job, he's able to do his um, Air Force service commitment by being passionate about something. Mm-hmm. I'm able to combine being passionate about aviation media with my job as a pilot. It's been honestly amazing well and it's crazy and i think and we'll talk about it a little uh in a little bit about just the social world and how you guys have been able to do what you do but it's like you know people who enjoy flying or the industry they they kind of focus on one platform you know you're super strong in the youtube world it, it, you know you hit a hundred thousand subscribers got the really nice plaque from youtube yep. but it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean it translates into instagram i mean right you've had to, to put out you know different content you've had to do the same thing you exactly. have your own profile you know then you have the f22 and then you also have uh your yeah, it also depends what Facebook yeah. and yeah. All, everything. It's, it's, and I think you'd agree, right, Sam? Like, it depends what you're trying to produce. Like, if you're trying, you know, for what you're doing, Instagram and some of those content pieces are perfect for what you're trying to go for. Whereas YouTube might not be the right platform for what you're trying to produce all the time. It can be. It's just not, you know, it's kind of like for me, like Instagram is sort of like my secondary thing right. compared to YouTube. Yep. Each platform is different in its own way. And I think once you finally realize how to effectively use each one, that's when you're like, man, this is awesome. We're really doing what we need to be doing. And so what's been inter- what's been interesting about you is the demonstration teams have been around for quite a while. I mean, I, I remember, I think I saw the F-22 for the first time maybe yeah. in... 2007 tw- was our first year, actually. And yeah. We transitioned uh, over from the F-15 demo team. And, and so because of what you've been able to do for their team... What? How do the other teams take it? Like you, you have the F thirty five team. You right. were here this weekend with yeah. the F sixteen team. Yep. Obviously, you know you've put the F twenty two team. You know you've given it this stature. Right. What do the other? I mean, you guys are all on the same team. Everybody's yeah, on yeah. The same one fight, team. one team. Maybe get a little bit of rivalry sometimes. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I I should give a ton of credit to all the other demo teams just for what they do and balancing. You know, it's 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 crazy hectic. So no matter how you, what you look at, each team's doing a great job showcasing their unique platform. Um, but it really, I think we challenge each other and help us all kind of like in a little bit of a competitive way, do the best we can. Um, I remember when I first took over, I was looking at all the other teams' platforms, kind of seeing what you know what they're up to and then kind of finding ways where we could kind of excel and kind of grow past that and i'm sure they're looking at my stuff or like looking at alex cook stuff over on the f35 demo team and and saying hey like i like that let's let's try to recreate it and and do it even better so i think that's the best thing about having all these demo teams in terms of social media it's like we can you know kind of all compete and help us each grow and be better and And feed off each other Mm -hmm. other. exactly so what would you say is the most rewarding part of the job yeah, I mean, I say this all the time, but seriously, hands down, it's actually it's getting to meet you know just thousands of people everywhere we go, um, and that's why social media is so great because I've been able to connect and just you know help answer questions with so many young aspiring whether pilots or just Air Force Academy or people who want to join the military, people who just like the Raptor. I mean, um, I get to go around and just really engage with those kids, and Swain will tell you it's the exact same thing for him. Um, we both have 
just an audience that that feels like, hey, we are people that will take the time to answer them and help them get hopefully one day um, to not just where we're at, but just to you know reach their dreams of whatever they want to do, whether it's in the Air Force or the civilian side. So really getting to meet all those kids and, you know, establish, you know, um, you know, just, just like a relationship with them over the over the years and months has been awesome. So how did the pilots take it? Right. And this is, I guess, a question that I want both of you to to kind of do it, because, I mean, he's obviously been in a lot longer than you and he's never really had this exposure like you've given the team. But how has, you know, Loco and the rest of the team responded to kind of the stature um, that you've given them? It was funny. So when we first took over the team, like on Instagram alone, we had like 13,000 followers. This was back in March. Um, and I set the goal. I was like, all right, guys, talking to the whole team. I'm like, I'm going to get us to 50,000 followers on Instagram. And they're like, LT, hell no, nah, you're not going to do that. They're like, no way. Get out of here. I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to do it. So we hit 50K like, like three months ago now. I remember that day came and I kind of looked at them. I'm like, 100K is next, boys. And they're like, no way, no way. So no, these guys, they love it. Um, I just think it's something we were missing for a long time. So, you know, even them, they like showing the photos I take to their friends and family and, you know, getting some FaceTime there and getting them in front of the camera for different interviews. The biggest, the hardest part about my job was making not only our team, but the Air Force in general, making them realize how important social media is and like what our potential would be if we grow. And now that I think I've done that and as a team we've done that, a lot of people now are willing to let us do more. Big Air Force wide, they're like, all right, we've seen what you guys can do, like take it and run even farther. And that was my goal this season, was to just get there, to make people realize, hey, social media is important. It's not just, you know, looking pretty. No, like when you talk about recruiting, which Colin, the entire reason our team exists is, is mainly to recruit, yep. right? Social media is the way to do it. Yep. And um, it's just been awesome to have that buyback and support from from our leadership, finally realize that. And I think what you get, I've, you know, throughout the weekend, I got to to meet a, a few of you guys as team members yeah. and be around a couple of the demonstration mm -hmm. teams. But I just feel like there's something there's something different and special with your guys' unit. I mean, <laughs> you guys have creativity that I don't think I've ever seen mm -hmm. in the Air Force before. I mean, you guys, you uh, okay? This is funny. You guys have the Hawaiian shirts with you guys' <laughs> logos, and sitting next to the the Viper demo team, you know, yeah. they're, they're dressed in the standard black uniform right, like right. you guys all have. <laughs> and then next door, you got you guys. Blue jeans and F-22 Hawaiian shirts yep. out there. Oh, and it's my just, gosh. It, I feel like, does that just kind of, your guys' creativity throughout the whole team, does it just bring a different vibe to your guys' unit? Yeah, we're just doing our own thing, you know? And it was funny, a couple of our maintainers, which shout out to them because they are incredible and keep me humbled and literally <laughs> make fun of me all the time, but I love those guys. They were one day, they're like, we're going to design Hawaiian shirts. And so um, they went in with their own money and actually designed those shirts. And it costs a lot. And they bought yeah. like 60 of them. And they're like, we're going <laughs> to see if people want these. Because we were a little bit hesitant. We're like, oh, we're the F-22 demo team. We're in Hawaiian shirts. What the heck? We decided to auction one off the very first show just to like raise, you know, see if people are interested. A single Hawaiian shirt went for over $600. And then we were able to donate all of that money to the actual show, which was incredible. That's cool. But now everywhere we go, people want these Hawaiian shirts. So I know you asked, Colin, you wanted one. I will tell you. We are in the works for doing an order to start I'll selling them one. at shows. So I'll let <laughs> you know. You'll be the first one I'll tell Colin. Like, here's here's a Hawaiian buy. shirt. But for you, Swain, yeah. how do, you know, in the job that you have, yep. interacting with pilots every single day when you go to work, what do they say when, you know, they either see you on the schedule or you, you know, they see you in the cockpit when you get there? 
I think honestly, and this isn't necessarily a negative thing. The first thing, if they don't know me, is they react with hesitation. Um, in the airline environment, having somebody or an entity that's filming, that's recording, it is a very much so like the military. It's kind of like a faux pas. Like it's not something that's been accepted. We've been trained. We've been indoctrinated into this mentality that social media is bad um, for pilots. It's not something that's appropriate in the profession. And so I think that a lot of the times crew members sometimes might react to me with hesitation because they see that once they've flown with me for four days and realize that I'm not actually recording because most of the videos are staged, um, just like anything in life. I mean, when I'm when I'm recording that sort of stuff around training or operations, it's all pre-planned. It's all staged. It's all scripted. Um, it is not something that I'm doing on a daily basis at my job. And when they see me in that way and they're like, oh, this is just a normal, you know, normal line pilot like everybody else and that he's not you know, flying with like a GoPro strapped to his chest or something. Um, they realize that, um, which is kind of cool to see that, that realization. They're like, Oh, he's not going to record what, you know, what I'm doing or what we're doing. And, um, it's kind of funny the way that that works. I, I kind of laugh about it a little bit. So, yeah. and so Sam from the team dynamics on you guys, I got to witness this weekend a little bit of, I guess what I would say is friendly, friendly, yeah. Friendly rivalries. Friendly rivalries. Friend <laughs> Say that 10 times in a row. That's season. hard. Yeah. Um, because we had all the teams together and I we think did. the dynamic everywhere. Uh, there's a little fun that's that's played. What, you know, is that is that just something that you guys enjoy doing with each other? You know, does it just kind of bring out the best of everybody? You know, a little bit of tough love, I guess. <laughs> it does. I guess at the end of the day, we're on the same team, right? United States yeah. military. But um, it's, uh, it, there's definitely a rivalry going on, uh, you know, I'll be the first to say it, you know, we love to again feed off each other's energy and, you know, fans will come up to us and be like, oh, you know, the Raptor, we, you are our favorite, you're the reason we're there. And, you know, I know people love the Blues and love all the other teams, but um, we definitely compete and want to try to bring it a little bit harder, harder than the next team. Which again is just awesome. We love it. Everyone loves a good rivalry and some competition. And I and I love everybody. You know, everybody on the demonstration teams. They're all trying to get the name out for for everybody. Yeah. But I have to say, the F sixteen team I think has taken the most strangest route of doing what they do because I saw more F sixteen Viper demo team stickers in the most random places <laughs> around Alliance Airport. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we got to be careful about <laughs> yeah, that. I was going to say there's, yeah. there's, there's sometimes there's we a got a little stories, trouble putting yeah. them in places because in the military it's a big tradition to to tag to zap whatever you want to call it. You know, whatever random locations um, but sometimes we'll put them in places and sometimes when it no strays outside of the air show yeah, world yeah, and into the public it sounds but like it's viper yeah. demo team has taken that to the next level and you know like i swain like has probably been on american airlines flight and he'll see stickers actually like in the jet bridge or like in the cockpit or just yeah i've seen teams. i have seen a demo team sticker here or there um i won't ever say that i've put one somewhere but i have oh, seen have. <laughs> um i have seen demo various demo team stickers around the airline world too so the tagging tradition from the military has kind of extended into the airlines best thing is a lot of fans will send me pictures yeah. of like raptor demo stickers in the most obscure locations ever and i always laugh about it yeah but it's like right on american airlines flights the the alliance or uh what's the, uh yeah uh, the one world yeah one world yep. they have the emblem right there yep. by the door and that's usually where i find those yep. stickers There's a that's sticker. crazy There's a, There's a <laughs> yep. demo f35 sticker yep. so, so we were talking this weekend sam and this is a two-year assignment for you Yes. After two years, you have to let it go and you have to move on to something else. I do, yeah. Just kind of like everyone, just like the pilots, just like everyone on the team. That's the Air Force in general. Um, it's kind of a hard place to keep long-lasting friendships, right? Because you, you move every two years. Yep. But uh, that's the beauty of it at the same time because so you're what, never stuck somewhere. So what's next? What do you, yeah. what do you want to do? 
I mean, Swain and I have talked a lot about this. I guess what I'd love to do is kind of similar to what I'm doing now, but just in kind of in a different in a different realm, right? So I think Air Force recruiting would be an awesome place to go. Kind of do the same content, highlight different career fields, Air Force wide, not just the Raptor. Continue making videos, continue producing content um, to do what I love, and I think that would be with Air Force recruiting. Now, if the Air Force will send me there, that's a different story. Um, public affairs, they do have this traditional track that they want you to follow. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been doing a little thing, you know, some stuff differently these past two years that hopefully, you know, maybe they'll give me a chance to do something a little unique. Well, I hope that with the content, like, you know, what we were talking about, um, Colin, is that the unique content that's made the F-22 team successful um, and the interview style that you've done, the kinds of photos and videos you work with, if they can expand that sort of content that captures young people that engages with young people on social media and expand that to general Air Force recruiting. And they do a great job of it. Don't get me wrong. But if they add some of that sort of content that you have been so good at, that would be an awesome thing for you to get involved with. It just depends that that job doesn't exist. Just like his job on the F-22 team for an officer did not exist. The officer concept for being a public affairs officer he had to pitch on because it was normally an enlisted position. Um, so if he can find a way of pitching this, you know, idea of being able to do this sort of media work for recruiting, that would be awesome. Do, do you see ever yourself, you know, staying in past your commitment that you're required that the academy gives you, where it takes you to a higher position of leadership where you can almost help change the what the Air Force sees as you know normal content being put out and be able to, you know, I guess the term basically would be to kind of change how they see things. Right. Yeah. So right now I owe five years from graduating from the academy, just finished first year back in May. So about a year and a half in, um, I'm definitely not ruling it out depending on what's available, where I am in my life, you know, maybe staying in would be the best thing. You know, I'd love to see where I can go and just take advantage of these opportunities you know, I know the Thunderbirds have a public affairs opportunity on their team. So that's kind of similar to what I'm doing with the Raptor demo team. And that would be kind of right around that five-year mark. So if that's something I'm interested in, maybe I'll go for that. But who knows? Not ruling it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Stay tuned, I guess, to see where I end up. <laughs> Speaking of Thunderbirds, you got to fly along with the Thunderbirds. How was that experience? And just tell the, us, Swain. <laughs> you have thousands was, of people so jealous. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was <laughs> unreal. I mean, I never in a million years would have imagined that just by producing the, this YouTube content that I would have started to get opportunities like that. Um, it was so cool. I mean, seriously, flying in the Viper was unreal. Flack, uh, Thunderbird number eight, was like the most hospitable guy. He knew that I was an airline pilot. He actually had like right around my flight time, oh, wow. total time, because, it, you know, fighter pilots, they don't build a lot of flight time per year. So he was like, how much total time do you have? And we we're like right about the same amount, which is kind of funny the way that works. Um, obviously in totally different worlds, but um, he let me fly the airplane for about 20 minutes. We had an hour long flight, did a whole series of maneuver demos. Um, it was unreal. It was really, really cool. And sort of like I was saying earlier, it made me a little piece of me was like, man, I wish I, I wish I was doing this more yeah. like full time. So, yeah. And that's crazy that you bring up that point that you almost had the same amount of flight time that he did. Yeah. Because you probably look at how, you know, how much you've had to gone, you know, gone through to get to where you are in your right. flight time. And then you look at him and he looks at you like, oh my God. I know. Well, you know, it's, you know, he's, you know, a high ranking officer in the Air Force, the top of his career, Thunderbird pilot. I mean, you can't go higher than that in terms yeah. of pilot um, in the military. And then you fly 
in an F, you know, F-16 with a 22-year-old who has as much flight time as you and might, in theory, be ahead of you on the airline career track because the civilian track will place me at the airline environment sooner than many of these guys in the military. But it doesn't mean that it's a negative thing. It's just a different sort of track. So, How, how was that process? Be? Because both the Blues and the Thunderbirds do it. So talk to me about the day that you guys uh, were able to fly in the Thunderbirds. Well, so at every show, the Thunderbirds do normally two, um, two fan rides. So they have either some sort of social influencer, a celebrity, a hometown hero, a member of the Air Force, somebody like that who flies with them. And because they do it, it is so scripted. I mean, they have it planned perfectly. When you show up to do a ride with them, that you go into a medical briefing, you do training with the pilot, you do training with the flight surgeon, you go to the equipment room where they have equipment. Um, I don't know, what would they be? Maintainers, is that the right word, Sam? Aircrew flight equipment. Aircrew flight equipment yeah. Standing by to like get you fitted for equipment. You go through a presentation on the ejection seat. Um, it is bang, bang, bang over about three hours. You go through everything. Um, and they actually require when you do this that you have a film crew with you. You're not allowed to film any of it yourself because they want you to focus on the important aspects of the training, of the ejection seat, things that are really important. So I had my buddies at Bold Method come down to help me film, which was awesome. I needed them there to be able to make that happen um, because when you're in an environment like that, you really have to focus. So it was very scripted. And having a film crew is like a total necessity because I had to kind of get my hands off the camera and actually focus. So, I mean, it, what you guys have done so far in your, I mean, your young age, just in the industry, you know, here in the civilian world and in the military world, I mean, you guys have already done what I think back in the day it would take people 10, 15 years to be able to. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that. Sam and I were talking about this the other day. Like, you know, when you talk about the way that media has developed from airlines and the military, I mean, the traditional. V- Aviation has always been slow to adapt, always. But in the airlines and military especially, I mean, it is changing now. They're becoming more um, okay with someone like me in the airline world doing media, representing the airline myself, which is never something airlines would have done before. Mm -hmm. And for Sam in the military, being a public affairs officer, I'm sure you can talk on, you're able to release content and footage and pictures that just a few years ago would have taken weeks for each picture to be approved to be released. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do they set approvals? Do you have to get everything approved that you post? They've given you that responsibility, sort of, right? Yeah. I mean, I had to go through pretty extensive training action, what you can and can't take pictures of, videos of, release as far as the Raptor goes. Um, So pretty cool that they've kind of entrusted me to be able to go out there at every show and make sure that I'm not doing anything wrong. And uh, luckily, I've been able to stick to that. (laughs) All right. So we've learned about your childhood. We got extensively into the careers and kind of where you guys and we've basically proven that you don't have to be a pilot to be in the aviation industry and be close to these amazing aircrafts. You can take your route um, as an airline pilot in the civilian world or you can take the route like Sam did. And if you're a videographer, you you, there's a place for you in the Air Force. But I want to get now to where you guys have really achieved in this industry, and that is social media and social issues. So I find it fascinating that both of you are pumping out so much content, not just about your jobs and what you do, um, but just about yourselves. So mm-hmm. how, you know, what are some of the lessons that you guys have learned so far just through pumping out stuff about yourself on social media? It's really tough. I mean, I know for me, um, the thing that I have tried to do, and it's slightly different um, than what Sam's tried to do, and I think that he can probably talk about that, um, is that I have tried my very best to have sort of one social profile. 
in terms of my Instagram, it's my personal life kind of mixed with my professional life. And I do that for a specific reason, because I want people to see that as a young person, as a young professional in aviation, um, I'm a normal person. And yet I'm doing all of these amazing things. I'm able to experience and achieve sort of these these goals that um, for people who are even older, they're like, how is a young person doing this? And any young person can do the things that I do with the right kind of work ethic. Um, so I combine them because I want people to see that I'm a normal person. I don't try to separate my career too much from my personal life because I want people to see that, you know, I am a normal person like everybody else, that this is a lifestyle. It's not just my job separated from my life. I've kind of combined them in a way. Yeah. What about you, and Sam? Sam, you've done it differently, which is fine too, but I'm you know, curious you know, how you think about that. Yeah, so for me, um, it all started with, hey, you know, we have this F-22 demo team page, but I thought it'd be really cool to kind of give, you know, all of our fans and followers an opportunity to engage with just like a member on the team to ask personal questions, to go behind the scenes and kind of see the daily lifestyle that what goes on. Um, and it was easy because that's kind of my job on the team as a public affairs officer. So that's why I was able to do it. You know, we have our maintainers and everything. And it's my job to highlight them and feature them and go behind the scenes there. So like while Swain's saying he, you know, mixes his personal page with his professional page and it works really well for him. For me, it's kind of similar. It's just it's it's the other side of the demo team that people aren't seeing. It's the personal side of the professional side. Yep. So. Um, it really just, I wanted to give people an opportunity to see, Hey, this is what's going on. Um, when you're not, you know, at an air show actually flying or behind the scenes and just get a little bit more personal with the fans. And that was the whole inspiration behind it. I think it's, I think it's cool. I mean, I told him, like, I really tried to encourage Sam like a few months ago, like his job is so unique and so cool. I mean, I, I never even had a thought before I got to know Sam that a job like his existed in the military, that there's this cool social media position where if you had a talent for something like this, you could actually be placed in a position to do these things. And I think that him being able to show that off very specifically um, is awesome because there are a handful of people in the world who get to do what he's doing. Well, and not only that, but you've put a new twist on what it means to be a public affairs officer. I mean, I've been, <laughs> yeah. I've been able to work uh, at US Stratcom for two years. I, I got to meet that. some, I got to meet some wow. of the public affairs officers there. Uh, it was as an intern. So it's not like okay. it was anything special. Um, but, what they take is the normal public affairs life is the standard what you see every day in the news, government right. lifestyle, you know, right. because of the mission that they have. Mm -hmm. But you've put a whole new twist on it and you basically opened it up as this is what it could be. Right. Like you just have to make it your own kind of thing. I agree with that 100%. Um, so where do you guys get your content ideas? I mean, with some of the videos that you've put out, I mean, they obviously take a lot of, for both of you guys, I mean, yours is a little more scripted. I don't, mm. do you go into, an event or a show knowing like this is what I'm going to produce or do you just take everything and you're like, okay, well let's go make something. I definitely go in with an idea. Like I'm like, I'll have certain shows. I'm like, all right, I want to do a recap video. I want to do like a feature video on someone. I want to tell the story of the show or whatever it is, or release a cool hyperlapse of the GoPro cop, whatever. But I don't script it out to the T um, because for me personally, when I do that, then I kind of maybe, you know, aren't as flexible with what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I'll just go in with an idea and then, you know, it happens a lot of, for me, it's, you know, making a video is like putting together a puzzle, right? I'll just take a bunch of different like banger clips and then just throw them together and post and who knows what's going to happen <laughs> so far. It's been cool. Um, but yeah, it all depends. Depends on what video I'm doing, Colin, but yeah, preparation's key. So I'm definitely preparing it. Maybe you just not, won't be like scripted down the T. And so what about you? I mean, are your ideas that you're putting out on YouTube on all the good lessons? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not only are they good, they're practical. I mean, yeah. they are real life things that right. you're basically laying it out there black and white for everybody to, to hear that this is where I'm going to go. Are those questions and these ideas, are they coming from, you know, the 
the watchers, the subscribers, or is it you saying, it's, okay, it's I want to do this every month? Yeah, it's a combination. I mean, in a, in a way, what I do is so specific that it's a little bit opposite of some of the content Sam produces, which is awesome because I wish I could do more of that. And there are times I know that he wishes he did a little bit more things that I do. Um, what's What I realized was when I went through flight school, any pilot that becomes a professional pilot and outside of the military has to pay close to $100,000 of flight training costs just to get there. Yep. And you still don't know what it means to be an airline pilot, which is crazy to me. It, I cannot understand why you go to a four-year degree, especially a four-year degree like I did, um, go through an aviation program, you go through years of training, and you show up day one at your regional airline, and you have no idea what's going on. You don't know the basic concepts at all. You don't know bidding. You don't know what reserve is. You don't know what jump seating is. You don't know all of these things that are so important to your career for the next decades. I mean, that's something that will determine the rest of your career. So what I've tried to do, I've tried to break down very specific components, things that I wish I had known before I showed up at the airline day one that I didn't know that I was in, left kind of in the dark about. Um, and then I combine that with ideas that I get from viewers and the comments of the videos or private messages that they share with me. Um, and then I just sort of list them out and I just kind of hit them up one by one throughout the year. Um, and I've tried to combine that with following my personal progression. So when I started, um, I went ATP, CTP, ground school, SIM training, IOE, reserve. I really hit those first few points that were like exactly on a month to month basis what I was experiencing as I went through training, regardless of which airline you're going, uh, going to fly for. So that's what I did. I try to be very specific about those things. And how do you guys deal being out there on social media, you know, on both sides from the military and, you know, the public side with all the dreaded comments that come back, you know, how do you, <laughs> the haters, that, the haters, yeah, how do you, you know, it's okay. So it's tough. Sort of like what I was saying, um, never look sideways, but there are, there are people out there, you know, I have, <laughs> I have different, there's threads about me online on forums. There's Reddit. There's all sorts of different things out there that I've I've dealt with for years. I've literally seen these things Sam. out there. Yeah, Sam's <laughs> laughing over here because we've read some of the stuff together. There are always elements to truth to things, but you know, you really just have to realize that with what you're doing, um, when you put yourself out there, you can expect a level of criticism, and that's okay. Um, I've had to have a, you know, kind of a thick skin about that. Um, and recently now that Sam's putting himself out there, you've had people who have kind of been haters too. And you've had to realize like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have some We don't have any haters, Swain. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. They don't exist. Everybody loves Raptor. <laughs> Everyone knows the <laughs> Raptor. Funny, I know what you're like, we, we produced an F-22 <laughs> Raptor video on my channel the other day and, um, you know, people, there's like little jabs at me in there. And there were actually some jabs, like Sam appeared in the video that like jabbed at him, which is funny because there's no about. reason for people to jab. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of have to be like, you know, people don't generally speaking, people don't go online to say nice things. Yeah. They go online when they're pissed off about something. So you kind of have to realize most people don't go online to like compliment you. Most people, when they're angry, they go online to vent out their frustration. So you just have to kind of think about it that way. Yeah. yeah and I, th and I mean, I've heard it too, right? Like I'm around yeah. the younger you know, generation of aviators, especially here in DFW being so big. And I don't think everybody understands the amount of time and effort that you guys put into this. Everybody thinks, oh, they're just putting out these videos to make a name for themselves. And right. I, I have to disagree. I'm like, I don't think these guys are spending, you know, 20 plus hours making these videos when they could have been spending this time doing something else, but right. they really enjoy it. And they're really trying to put this out to better yeah. what they do. Yeah. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I do, I do agree. And I mean, on to be 100% honest with you, it's a combination of all of the above yeah. for me. I mean, I do make money off of it. I do have an increased uh, kind of name brand associated with it. 
I get opportunities out of it. But above both of those things, the most important thing for me is if I can help student pilots get into flight training, if I can help inspire people to become pilots, um, that's why I do what I do. And I take a screenshot, literally, I have a folder on my computer. I take a screenshot every time somebody sends me a message that says that they were inspired to become a pilot or start flight training because they saw my videos. And I have over a thousand screenshots in that folder and I literally just place them in there. So I can kind of keep myself in track to say, hey, I'm actually affecting a group of people and helping inspire them to do what they want to do. So that's why, I mean, that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah very, very similar to Swain. Um, <clears throat> You know, it's my job. It's my role on the team. And so it's not really to make a name for myself at all. It's to make a name for, for the team, right? And if, and if you know, me putting in all these hours is going to help do that, then, yeah, I'm going to do it. So let's, let's talk into the next issue because, I mean, this is a really good segue into it. It's, it's all the haters. And you guys are in a very, very, you know, at least in this industry, being young, you're in a very particular position. And you guys really sparked an interest in this just in me because I guess in the last two years, I'm kind of experienced this myself with some of my friends. Um, but you put out a powerful little post. I think it was over a week ago and it was National Coming Out Day. And I was highly impressed with it. It was very, very powerful and empowering. And not only was it a powerful message for people out there because I went through all the comments and the amount of positivity that was there. Oh, yeah. I was I was amazed. So much love. But it's really, it's powerful because it kind of involved both of you, which is something special. So, and it's something that I've been very, very empathetic towards because I'm talking about it to people I'm learning about because I'm experiencing it with my own friends. Um, but it's been amazing to me to see, you know, how much happier the friends that I'm dealing with this oh, are yeah. when, when this happens to them. Um, and I have to say, you know, hashtag like living your best life, but that's what right. like, my friends are doing now. And it's just, it makes me proud that they're, they're happy and that, you know, me as a friend can be supportive to them. But as two great guys who are living openly gay in the aviation community, yeah. talk to me about how this has been for you guys. Because this is something that, like you said, the aviation yeah. industry is still old. It and is old, yeah. You guys no, are is. really breaking that mold and it's, helping others. It's funny. So I posted, I think, the first example of it that I can really think of that demonstrates how far aviation has come. Um, my best friend, Corey, and I, um, Corey and myself, he went to college with me. He was my roommate for years. He's also openly gay. Both of us are NGPA members. Um, we posted a picture in front of an envoy airplane with a, a uh, it was like an LGBT flag for Pride Month. And we uploaded it online and we got just the most positive reactions ever. And in fact, I got many dozens uh, d of direct messages from older airline pilots who were like, I am so impressed with the two of you. I never would have imagined that this was okay five, five, ten, you know, even you know, twenty years ago, this was not something that would have been accepted, um, and it is today. And I'm confident about it. I've never, you know, when I interact with crew members, if they ever ask, it's not something that I try to hide. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely times where it's tough. Um, as a young person, especially, you're combining a lot of things at once. You're involved on social media. You're a young pilot. You're openly gay. There's a lot of things that kind of build up and you have to kind of deal with all of those things at once sometimes, which is difficult. But for me, the reason that I post about it occasionally, I try not to make it everything because being gay doesn't define me or my job. No. But I like to post maybe 5 to 10% of my content online, at least mentioning that or trying to support people who are in the same position because I want people who were like me, who were hesitant to be in aviation, who are hesitant to be out and open to feel that they are normal, that they are accepted and that they can do these amazing things and be themselves at the same time and not have to worry about it. So that's what, you know, that's why I do that. Yeah. So. And it's something that I think, I think people in the industry are, 
opening their eyes to yeah. being, I think the acceptance is growing, which is, which Completely. is awesome because it doesn't matter what you are. I, you know, it's just like in the air force, everybody's on the same team. Yeah. I feel like in the industry, everybody's on the same team. I'm a private pilot. You're a pilot. I respect right. what you do. You're doing what you do. Yeah. We live in this great country. You're able to do And I this. think, I think for what Sam was saying, and I guess you could expand on this, like just at a strict level, it's different in the military than, yeah. um, than in the airline world. They actually have policies in place about this kind of stuff. And maybe you can talk about how that makes it in a way easy to be openly gay in the military. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't know if easy is the word. Um, and it just all starts with being confident, right? So the Air Force and military for so long has, you know, had certain views, certain traditions, certain kind of older generations that think one way, right? But um, luckily, like you just said, Colin, things are changing. So honestly, now that I think about it, you know, I really haven't had any negative backlash at yep. all, right? It's all stuff that's been in your head um, for so long. And then when you finally realize like, hey, you know, I'm going to put myself out there, hashtag live that best life. Um, you know, it really has been nothing but support. So I think the military's made a lot of progress with that and we're still continuing to make progress. And it's just awesome to be kind of at the forefront of that, kind of experiencing it and hopefully helping people out who are, who are behind me. How do you guys feed off each other too? Cause I was reading through the comments, you know, he thanks you, you thank him, you know, how are you guys able to, <laughs> because right. Like it's not, I mean, we're in a particular, you know, industry where right. it, for some people it's not easy. Like maybe like it has been for you guys at some point. So like, how do you guys feed off each other that way? Um, yeah. So I'll take this one. Swain, <laughs> Swain's, yeah. I mean, Swain's kind of literally been like an icon for that whole movement as yeah. far as in the, he talked about NGPA, which is national gay pilot association. Yep. Um, for those who don't know what that is. Um, and he's just been a, a central figure for that for, for thousands of people. And to me, I was one of those kids who was there, wasn't comfortable and saw Swain, this guy who was able to do that um, and kind of felt that effect from that. So, so for now, it's, you know, knowing Swain, it's been like, he's been there. He's already gone through the worst of the worst and, ha and you know, is able to come out on top. Um, and I'm just trying to do that now and my platform since we have, you know, different sides of, of the same career here that we're doing. Um, so yeah, what do you think, Swain? I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I just, and being able to see for me when you're talking about feeding off of each other, like seeing, um, Sam go through this more recently than me. I mean, I've had years to go through it. I have more confidence probably than he does because I've been through it for years. I mean, I came out to my friends when I was a freshman in college, I've had a few years to get used to it to really realize that it's not something that I have to worry about. And what I want for Sam more than anything, I want him to be able to realize that, there is a support group, whether it's, you know, people in the military that we're friends with who are open or people who are in the airlines or people just our age in general. Um, and being able to see that kind of development in you and, you know, how you're able to handle it so well, so quickly speaks not just to the industry, but to how strong like both of us can be as a support system for each other. So, yeah. And I think what's amazing is you guys, I don't know, it's, it's more like you guys kind of command respect purely because of the amount of work that you guys put into your day to day lives so it's like if you're doing the best you can as a person it doesn't matter right. who you are like that deserves respect in today's world that's Retreat. i mean yeah that's that's the thing we were both talking about the other day sam actually asked me because we're speaking at a diversity conference in aviation which is something actually neither of us have done um but we're doing it next week at western michigan aviation and um yeah you know like i was saying it's a part of you it's something that's important i think it's important to share so that other people feel empowered when you're put in a position where people are looking for you looking to you for advice and for uh, motivation keeping putting a little personal part of yourself out there to show that you are proud and confident is extremely important i think yeah. you don't have to be a flag waver you don't have to be out there and make everything you post about that 
But if you can put a little bit out there to show people that this is you, that you are being true to yourself, that you want other people to feel that way too, it's really powerful. So when you're talking about commanding respect, I mean, when you work hard on something um, the way that both of us do, um, yeah, it actually makes it easier to be openly out there because you're like, I'm doing these amazing things yep. and I am gay. You know, you don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. so yeah. sending messages to others, younger, younger kids who especially follow you guys. And yep. I know you have a lot and, and they, they send a lot of great comments to you guys. But what is the message that you send to the younger avi aviators that, that follow you guys who are in the same position that you were? years ago, mm -hmm. you know, contemplating coming out and, and being able to live confidently in the aviation space. Cause this is what they love, but they probably have yeah. that predetermined conception that, okay, if I'm joining the aviation world, mm -hmm. I may not because it's the old boys club. Right. You know, right, what right. would you send the message to the younger generation for them? I mean, I guess from my perspective, the big thing is you will be more successful as a person in your personal life and in your career by being able to break down some of those walls. Um, when you can start with friends and family and eventually feel comfortable telling coworkers, it allows you to be more successful because you don't have something that's holding you back. Yep. Um, that's the way it worked for me, at least. I mean, it doesn't have to define you and everybody takes it in a different way. Everybody takes a little bit longer or shorter than each other. But once you get to the place where you're confident and it's not something that you worry about and you put yourself out there, I think it allows you to be more confident in everything you do, not just your personal life, but it allows you to be more confident work. It allows you to be more confident with friends and family um, because you are more comfortable with yourself as a person. So, yeah, not just confident, not just successful, but just for me, just happier. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the whole end goal. Right. Just be happy. And so for me, that's all. That's what it was. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't change a thing. And so, you know, to wrap up the the serious part of the podcast, yeah. know, I, have, I have two questions for you guys, and it kind of builds off everything that we've talked about so far. But what do you believe is the most common reason for young people in general for failing or giving up on their dreams? Because you guys have obviously been through a lot, and you could have had that opportunity. This is just going to be too tough. I'm going to go do something else, you know? Yeah. Um there's two things that I would say one is more tangible than the other finances is the first one. Yep. Um, you know, I could, I could talk about motivation all day and how if you're not motivated, um, or you don't have the work ethic and you don't realize that becoming a pilot is in fact work, that it's not just a fun job, um, that you're not going to do well. But beyond that, just pure finances is the biggest thing that I see. I get messages all the time from people who are like, Hey, I want to become a pilot. My family can't afford it. I can't afford it. What do I do? Um, and it's a hard question to answer because it does cost money. There's not a way to get around it. There are amazing programs out there now, like the American Airlines Flight Academy, where they will co-sign your flight training loans. So even if you don't have a financial backing that allows you to get co-signed loans, either from a family or yourself, there's a system in place there to be able to help you finance that so that you have the opportunity to reach your dreams. Um, and more and more programs are starting like that. And I hope to see more of that moving forward. And, and so what about you, Sam? You know, it's not hard or it's hard going to the academy right. and there's people that don't make it through the academy. Right. And, and so in that line for you through what you've experienced, how would you answer that question? Yeah. Well, first answer, and I always say this is just people are scared to put themselves out there. Right. And for me, Swain, everyone, we talked about it. That's the hardest thing is just to get over that hurdle of like, what are people going to think of me? Um, and that's in terms of just putting yourself out there if you want to be a content creator and really do something outside the norm. Um, and then for going to the academy, um, probably the biggest thing that I experience is just people are like scared of failing, right? They're scared of failure. They're scared to get uncomfortable and maybe do something outside the norm. Um, 
and it, I feel for those people because that was me. That's that was that's everyone, right? You are you are so comfortable being comfortable that mm-hmm. it's very hard to get uncomfortable. Yep. But once you do that, once you take that step, once you say, you know what, to hell with it, let's do it, man. That's that's the most special thing. I mean, that's that's how this podcast started. To be honest, exactly. I, I, I started this purely based because you know there was this cool little app called Anchor where you could just record something through your phone, and I was using it as a process to document my private pilot license because I was just doing it the pay your own route, you know, find an instructor, find a plane and do it. But then after I was done, I'm like, oh, shoot, where do I go from here? Do I just quit or do I can? And that's how it's turned into now being able to meet, you know, all you guys and being able to really document how everybody's been able to be successful through all the hard work that they put Mm -hmm. um, in the industry. So the last question in the serious part of the podcast, if you could send a message to yourself 10 years ago, what would you tell yourself? If I could send myself a message 10 years ago, let's think, how old would I be? I'd be 12 years old, which is crazy. Um, I would say, do not change for a second. Do not ever listen to somebody who's trying to bring you down or sway you from a decision that you're making in terms of your dreams, just like what I've been talking about the whole time, not looking sideways. If there's something that you want to do, there's something that you want to produce, it doesn't matter what your friends think because you have something that you're doing. And if I had chosen not to do that, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. And I know that for a fact. Um, So if I could tell myself anything 10 years ago, it would be to not change a thing and to continue ignoring other people. (laughs) That's good. No, and I think that's, I think especially youth today, that's important. Yeah. I mean, and today, I mean, I talk to young kids all the time. There is so much, even more than when we grew up. I mean, social media and comparing yourselves to other people, setting an unrealistic expectation about what your life has to be, your job has to be. You just have to ignore those inputs sometimes and realize that what you're doing is amazing. And that if you have something that you want to do, you don't need to compare it to somebody else. What about you? What would you tell yourself? <laughs> yeah, I would the have young been, Sam. right. The young Sam, I would have been 13 years old, right? Eighth grade or something. Um, yeah, I mean, God, now you guys are making me feel old. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. yeah. You'd been a senior in high school then around 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, so it's just very similar to me too. It's like, Hey, the people that I was friends with 10 years ago, those are not going to be the same friends I'm going to be friends with for the rest of my life. Who cares what they think at the time? You get so caught up in where you are in the moment and think that, you know, being in high school or being in eighth grade, being a freshman, like that's all that's ever going to matter for the rest of your life. And, you know, I can count on my hands the number of friends that I still have from 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 that age. Like, it just doesn't matter. And I yep. wish I could have been more confident in myself then to do what I'm doing, honestly, now. Because who knows how much more successful, you know, each of us could have been if we were just right. willing to take that chance even earlier. So to those kids out there who are that age, it's like, man, I would love to be able to go back and just from day one be like, hey. I know, knowing what I know that now. Mindset, would yeah. that be awesome? <laughs> I know. Like, I can I go know, back like, in time? I know. Yeah. If you could go back, I've been like, man, I would have. I know. Had that million subscriber plaque by now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. It's crazy. And I think if I would have told myself, it would have been to kind of surround yourself by people who you can learn from. You don't necessarily have to. Instead of shooting for being a part of the cool group, the cool kids, like surround yourself by people who will make you better and who you will learn from. 100%. Because you're going to grow. You're not going to be, you're not going to grow by being in the, the cool crowd. Because most of the cool crowd doesn't make it outside of high school. The kids that do make it far in life are the kids that surrounded themselves right. by better people. Are the weird work. kids like Swain who went to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the crazy people. All right. So that's the end of the great part of the podcast. But we're going to get into the greater part of the podcast. It's my favorite, favorite part. <laughs> I call this the lightning round. You okay. guys are going to be answering 10 questions. You have to. Whatever's on the t- tip of your tongue, you have to say it. It doesn't matter how stupid it is. Mm-hmm. 
No one's going to make fun of you. There may be some comments. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But 10 questions. We, both we of you. one at a time or how is this working? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to ask, I'm going to ask one question okay. and each of you have to ask it. It doesn't matter who goes first. You have to, have to answer it. So okay. Y'all can duke it out. All right. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go first and then we'll switch. All right. Question number one of the lightning round. Everyone in the aviation industry has their own quirks. So on a scale of one to 10, how weird do you consider yourself? Oh my gosh. I'm a total dork. Yeah. I would consider myself to be like an, an eight. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. I'd go with an eight. All right. Don't break my streak, Sam. <laughs> Sometimes people are like, how is this kid in the military? You know, <laughs> they say that to me. You know? <laughs> my hair pushes the limit. Sometimes it's in rags. I'll just say that to everyone. I, I'm a, I'm a saw. I'm a, I'm higher than that. It's fine. I'm a nine. Oh, oh yes. I like it. Okay. Yeah. One person on the podcast a while ago broke my, broke my streak of weirdness. And I answered that yeah. question because I'm like, I know everybody in this industry is weird. Yeah. Right? We oh, yeah. We're all weird. Somebody yeah. said like a two, and I'm like, what are you doing in this industry? Uh, yeah, no, at all. That's not me. Boring. All right. Question number two. What's your favorite word? My favorite what? Word. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, the first thing that came to my, <laughs> my mind was bubble. I don't know why. <laughs> is that weird? I don't know. It just yeah, came to my mind. That's a cool word. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have more f- words that I hate. Why did that come to my I mind? Like. I've never even thought of that. It's yeah. weird. Bubble? Bubble. Like that's that kind of a fun word to say. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, my favorite word is raptor, actually. You know, it's um, funny that you just said that because I, w- after he yeah. said that, I was about to tell you you can't say raptor. Um, but you said raptor before I could can say, I say it, it so. before you said it. Yeah, you yeah. can. All right, question number three: What's your favorite food? Steak. I guess for you, steak. Mm-hmm. That's not what I was expecting after everything we've talked about. Really? Yeah, yeah. My favorite food is Chipotle. Does that count? Yeah. Okay. All right. yeah. Okay. So you guys are in Texas. <laughs> yeah. You're a big Chipotle lover. This is sidetracking for yeah. me, but it's so bad about it. Yeah. I do this all the time. Yeah, it's okay. You have to go to Freebirds before you leave. Yeah, Freebirds I've heard about local. that. Yeah, I'm, it's like Chipotle, it. but more choices. You wouldn't. Yeah, know. we were we were gonna hit the Texas. We're going State to the Fair State Fair today. Fair today. Just, like, ah. Hang out, but Freebird. I've been to bunches of. I, I love Freebirds. It's good. okay. No, me do that. Yeah. All right. Question number four: What sound or noise do you love? Do I love? Oh my gosh. Um, music. Does that count? Yeah. I don't know. I love music. Like, I mean, I associate so many songs with different memories in my mm-hmm. life that like when I hear those songs like that is the thing that like I love. I don't know. All right. For me, you know, when you're like at the airport and you have your like luggage with you and you're like rolling it and the sound the wheels of the luggage make <laughs> as you go over the cracks yeah. is just so <laughs> pleasing to me. Yeah. It's like methodic. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Question. Yeah, that, that's too funny. That's a new one. I that's haven't heard one. that I've one. I like these that. answers. I like where this is going. All right. Question number five. When you guys fly, what's the most important thing you carry with you on every flight? Most important thing. Whether I you're carry a passenger with or a pilot. It's your Bose headphones. I mean, I was going to say probably the, I mean, the, the headset. I'd say, okay, yeah, I'd say the headset for both cases in terms of being a pilot. Like my Bose A20s, like the Embraer 145 is very, very loud. Yeah. It is extremely loud. And having noise canceling just dramatically changes the environment for me. And then on the converse side in the back, um, I have like the wireless Bose over your headphones. And that is so important because I can drown out everything and listen to music and enjoy it. So, yeah, um, for me, it has to be my hard drive because literally the entire Ooh. season with every photo, <laughs> every video, like that is my life. And I'm so scared I'm going to lose it one day. I'm too. I, I need to do, we're, we're both talking, we need to do cloud backups or yeah. something because we have so much footage. We're going to mess up if we you lose flag, those things. Cloud backup like four terabytes. I know. I don't know how we're going to do it. <laughs> All right. Question number six. What profession other than, you, other than your own would you like to try if you had the opportunity? 
Um, entrepreneurship, like being a business owner, okay. um, being involved in a startup, I think would be really cool. Um, my dad is big in entrepreneurship and I kind of grew up in that environment. Yeah. And so um, that's the thing for me. I, I know that I would be like kind of passionate about it. What about you? I want to really get into the entertainment industry. Like, oh, I'd love yeah. to one day, you know, uh, like be like be a talk show host, like freaking be a game show host, be an actor, that type of thing. Really dive into that. So who knows? We'll see. Maybe you should start your own Air Force podcast. It's just start interviewing random yeah. people that you meet within the Air Force. Yeah. So now that you mentioned that, um, that's what's starting soon. So hopefully we'll do oh, a little sick. bit more of that. Right, yeah. So cool. stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Question number seven. What are you not very good at? What am I not very good at? Um. I'm not good at sports trivia at all. Okay. I'm very bad at sports trivia. In fact, like I like watching sports with friends. Like it's like a fun social activity for me, but literally, um, or yeah, activity for me. Literally Sam the other day in the car is like, name three people in the NFL. I can name two. Seriously. Oh I literally like, I, I, I you don't want to share that information. Cut that out. Cut that out, even cut that out of the podcast. Even living in Chicago. Even living in Chicago. Chicago. No, seriously. Like, like, I can do, I can do teams. I can watch the games, but like the, the names do not stick at all. That's okay. I, yeah. I feel for you. I've played yeah. sports all my life. Yeah. And then I got yeah. into fly, uh, flying and aviation and my sports knowledge went. I just like, it doesn't stick. I don't know. Nope. It, it doesn't stick in my head at all. Yeah. yeah. Name three different types of aircraft and you're there. And you're oh yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Right? Nail it. Yeah. What are you not very good at? Swain knows this. I'm very bad at telling people no. Right. So like they ask me for things mm-hmm. um, and I just try to like move mountains to make it happen. And I'm starting to realize now because we're getting more and more requests just all over, whether it's yep. air shows, Air Force related, or even personal related. I just, I try I, to have yeah. that, accommodate everyone. And sometimes you really can't. And then I yep. have to like tell people no and I get really sad. I tried to warn him on this. I mean, we both have, we're, our followings are both growing. They're both pretty big. You get to a point where you get inundated with so many messages that if you were to sit down and just answer Instagram DMs or comments, you would literally just do it all day. And that's yep. your, that would be your entire life because people would constantly reply. It never ends. It literally never ends. Um, and you have to find a time to be yourself yeah. and to realize you can say no and that you focus on the most important things. You have to really like narrow down those things. So, All right. Yeah. Question number eight. What is your ultimate dream in life? Say it now. Ultimate dream in life. I would like to retire next to a beach. Okay. That's I awesome. like that. That's good. That's your dream. I love being near the water. I really do. So, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Sam? Oh man, I don't know, Colin. I'd say just find a way to keep doing what I love for as long as possible, right? Hopefully, health and everything stays where I can do that. Just find a career where literally for the rest of my life I can uh, do what I do. That's why I love golf. I'm a big golfer because for the rest of my life you, know, you can play golf. Right. You can play even when you're yeah. 80 something years old. So he says next retire to a next to a beach. I'll say I drive the golf cart. I don't play golf. <laughs> on a golf course. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. Question number nine. What's your biggest pet peeve in the aviation world? Ooh, biggest pet peeve um, for me is when people are hyper specific about something that nobody else does the same way. So like when I... It, in the airline environment, you'll fly with crews. We're all standardized to a certain level. Everybody does things a little different, but sometimes you'll fly with somebody that is highly specific about something and they're adamant about it. And it's the opposite that 90% of other people are doing. And it's like, you know, you expect you're, you're holding me to this expectation, but nobody else does it this way. And yet you're so adamant about it. Like that, that's kind of a pet peeve for me. It's kind of like, let's all kind of be on the same page here, <laughs> you know, makes it easier for everyone. Yeah. So what about you? you? You said aviation. I'm going to change that a little bit to photography. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, when change people it. ask me after I'm done shooting, when they say, did you get any good shots? Uh, <laughs> that I, I is to stop the asking. most. 
yeah. annoying thing ever because it's like, no, they're all horrible. Or like, you haven't had a chance to look at them. It's yeah. like, what do you say to that? And he I'm had just, to tell I me I had people, to stop asking him. And I'm like, yeah. yes, I did. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question in the lightning round. If you could fly anything in the world, what would you fly? I'm going to fly anything in the world. Um... I mean, the first thing that came to my Can't mind Can't be the is, Raptor. Sorry. No, it's not. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind is the Dreamliner. I would love to fly the 7-8 Dreamliner. I just think it's a sleek airplane. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. I would love to fly that thing. That's, it's a beautiful airplane. So. That's, I think, so far out of all the episodes I've asked that question, I think that's the first commercial yeah. airline. That I don't I've, know. I just... Of course, maybe, that's come from Swain. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of course. I don't know. I've flown some cool stuff, but that's something i'd love to do yeah, i'm not gonna say the raptor but clearly it's a single seater like that would be pretty awesome to fly yeah. especially being around it so much um but yeah i don't know is it the embraer 145 is yeah, that your dream sure i'll get i'll you know what swain <laughs> just for you i'm gonna say the embraer 145 you know on a nice little regional flight from norfolk to Virginia, dubuque, dubuque iowa to fargo to that's fargo, what I like Waterloo, middle, iowa. middle of winter when yes. it's blowing snow across the that's honestly the thank you i needed that all right. Well, thank you guys for playing along with the uh, the lightning round question. It's just supposed to break it up, get a little uh, laughter going, and some funny, uh, yeah. funny stuff. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this podcast up. We've talked a little longer than I thought, but I knew this was gonna spark some really really good conversation, and I'm glad we did it that way because this has been awesome. Uh, but to wrap it up, the question that I have for both of you is: seventy years from now, how do you want people to remember Swain and Sam? Do you want me to start? Um, I guess what I want people to remember me for is that um, I was able to do the best of my ability to help stop or solve the pilot shortage. I would love for people to look back at the content I produced and to say, this guy is a great example of somebody that tried to produce content to help people get into aviation, to help people become airline pilots, um, and that he made a meaningful impact in helping stop a shortage of pilots worldwide. That, I mean, that would be the ultimate goal. And I think you're on that roll. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. What about you, Sam? Yeah, just someone who everyone's like, all right, this guy, you know, was never, never scared of, you know, just pushing it to the next level, yeah. right? Like doing things bigger and better than anyone's ever done before. And hopefully 70 years from now, we're still kicking strong and going. Yeah. Right? How old would I be? Like oh, man, 92. Yeah, 92, wow. 93. Wow. Let's go. The life expectancy is growing. Yeah. We're all oh, man. Alive still. Yeah, that'll be fun. Pushing it to the next level. Have you gotten Major Lopez to start his Instagram page yet? <laughs> we uh, we call him, I think, like Uncle Loco is his nickname, yeah. right? Because, you know, he's a little bit older. And uh, after he, he's not really into the social media. <laughs> um, he's quite the popular guy, though. Yeah, he's, he's a celebrity in the aviation world. So luckily, though, our page kind of serves as yeah, almost his, his page in terms yeah. of things. Like, I'll, I'll answer questions and send them to him and come back. But. Yeah, it's cool. He gives me a bunch of support to do what I want and wouldn't be possible without him. So, Loco, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> All right. So I've peppered you guys with some really good questions. It's brought a, a lot of good content out, and I really appreciate you guys uh, answering these for me. Um, but the last question, you guys will get to ask me something. I don't know what you guys are going to ask. I always put this at the end of the podcast mm -hmm. because it's, I've gotten some really interesting questions before, and now I'm going to get two. So okay. hopefully I can answer them I'm going to let Sam guys. start. So okay, Sam, so you can start. Um, <laughs> what's man, your question for me? A good question. Let's say, um, I'm trying to think of a really good one. If you could do one thing in aviation as a career for the rest of your life, besides being a pilot, what would it be? That's a good question. I've always been intrigued 
the technical side of flying in you know aviation. So I think A and P would be cool. Okay. Um, I like playing around with things and tinkering and you know breaking things. I guess you know AMPs. That's what they get paid to do: break it, figure out why it broke, and put it back together. Um, but to be honest, like I think media is ever changing in the aviation world, and I don't know how I got into it. I don't know how I started this podcast. I don't know why I continue doing it, but I love it. I love meeting people like you guys and figuring out where they're from. So I guess you know being a aviation you know documentary creator or something i'm not good with video i've picked up in voice i'm okay in photo but you know being able to produce that team together to document and chronicle people kind of like i guess what they do on you know national geographic yeah that's and awesome. discovery channel like i think that would be pretty cool to be able to see the behind the scenes of how everybody does what they do in aviation nice what can i answer for you sam all right colin my question is you are planning an air show, right? You're the air show director. Yep. But here's the thing. You can only bring three teams to this show. Okay. What three teams are you bringing? Ooh. This is going to be a tough question because you're talking to the 22. Uh, you don't have to say the 22. <laughs> no. So uh, I think he would. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be serious. I've This is next year will be my third year. So right. this was only my second year doing it. I'm new. Um, I haven't been able to see all the big jet teams. I haven't spent... You know, I follow the Red Arrows. Right. From what I hear, they put on a phenomenal show. Yeah, they did it. Just finished up their Yum. huge North American tour. We hung out with them for, for months. They're awesome. I just heard from one of our people uh, who work on our production team. They saw the Red Arrows and uh, at a show where the Blue Angels played. Mm -hmm. in, or flew, not played, I guess. Uh, they flew right before the Blue Angels. Right. And from what I heard, in this person's opinion, that they shouldn't have put those two teams together because then they saw the Blue Angels and they're like, Oh, well, that was just <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I actually kind of like the Red Arrows performance a little bit better. Um, so probably because I've never seen the team, I'd like to bring the Red Arrows because I've Good. never seen them before. I like it. Um, we had the Thunderbirds in town last year. Um, Personality-wise, those guys are full of personality. They are. Um, they seem to be a little more playful and just more laid back. I mean, the Angels are really, really good at what they do but they're also really, really strict about how they do it and have a lot of rules and a lot of ground rules, a lot of things that they do, very, very strict. Um, I've seen the blues a lot, so I probably wouldn't bring the blues because I want to bring my show that I've never really seen before. So the arrows, um, I know they're not around anymore. And so to be able to bring them back and rejuvenate them, the Brightling team, they're not around anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, they had to retire. I think Brightling pulled their sponsorship yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so rejuvenate that nice. old school team. Um, I love, I mean, right. Like I showed you the shirt. I yeah. bought the Raptor shirt back and I want to say like 2012 when I first saw him in Miramar, uh, I was absolutely stunned <laughs> by the aircraft. Um, I think that's where I also, it was the Miramar show where the F 35 did its first performance. Uh, I want to say right before it joined the fleet. Um, that was cool, but something about the Raptor was just way different. And I think because now I've been able to see your guys' team and how you interact, and hopefully that continues, I'd probably bring you guys back. And I think that's our own team would be like, man, these guys are awesome. Hopefully they come back. You guys, you just bring a, you know, a new entertainment. So I'm not, you know, here to fluff your feathers or anything. I'm, uh, I'm being serious about it. And it's been, yeah. you guys have been a team I followed for a really long time. I love the Viper. Um, it's a great aircraft, but, you know, I think yeah. it's time for it to... A Raptor Nation, baby, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, gotcha. So, yeah, I'd probably be bringing Red Arrows. I'd bring back the Brightling team, yeah. rejuvenate them, 
and then I bring, yeah, right after there. And bring you guys. Sweet. Love it. Love the analysis there. Um, so the last question is now an opportunity for, for you guys. Basically, I'm going to pose a question on social media when I post about releasing this episode. Uh, something that you guys want to ask the audience. And it's a question that you could pose to your own followers mm-hmm. if you want to release that. You know, we all did this podcast right. together. What question would you ask the, the listeners uh, of the show? Um, I guess my question is, if you're somebody who wants to be a professional pilot one day, what is your biggest holdback or fear about getting into the industry in terms of um, who you are as a person, the lifestyle, the schedule, the money, the training costs, whatever it is, what is your biggest fear that's holding you back from starting yourself in the industry? That's a good question. Especially, I think that's a question a lot of kids are asking nowadays. So. That's a good question to ask. Same way for me, you. for the team, for what I'm doing, I want to ask people, what do they want to see? But the answer cannot be more cockpit footage <laughs> or classified things on the Raptor. You know, I get a ton of that. <laughs> Can't show you that, guys. Sorry. So what do people want to see? Whether it's, you know, featuring different team members or different aspects of the jet or just different types of videos or keep doing what we're doing. I want to know what are people craving from the Raptor demo team. You have good content from this last show this week? <laughs> yeah, I got some great stuff. I did a lot of video on the last day and then my family was here, so I was hanging around with them. Um, I don't know if you heard, but we, you know, we flew up on Ross Perot's helicopter there yeah. and got to go to a high school football game. Uh, so I got cool. a little behind the scenes edit coming soon of that. That's that would be really cool, which is a different type of video than kind of any other team would do, kind of stepping outside of the air show realm and featuring kind of what we do on our, on our time off. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I know you guys both, you know, you're both here in town. You guys were both part of the air show. I'm glad I caught you guys, but you also live very, very busy schedules. For Thank you for taking time yeah, thank uh, you. to be here and kind of talk about all the questions that I had. Uh, where can people go out there on social media if they don't follow you, which they should be? Where can they find you on all the platforms? Um, so it's just my name on Instagram, Swain Martin or on YouTube, Swain Martin. Um, that's basically it. Yeah, that's how you find me. Awesome. For us, the Raptor demo team, you can follow us at, at F22 demo team. And if you want to get a little behind the scenes and see what I'm doing, I'm at 2LT Sam on Instagram as well. All right, guys. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Hopefully your guys' visit to the DFW area was good. I hope you guys are back very, yeah. very soon. Uh, hopefully next year. It's year 30, so you need to talk to the team about yeah, that. Yeah, I heard it's that. And then the Blue Angels are falling. Shows like their 75th anniversary, apparently. Oh, wow. But um, show in Denton, Texas, we're looking at maybe even Houston next year. So oh, if sick. it's not Alliance, hopefully we're coming back to the Lone Star State. So Sweet. We'll, see. well, thank you guys again. I yeah, really appreciate you. your time. Thanks so much, Colin. Well, there you have it, guys. Sam and Swang, two amazing guys doing two totally different things in the aviation space. One over on the military side, one over on the civilian side. And guys, they've proved again that you don't have to be a pilot to be in this industry. Flying is not the only thing that the aviation industry is about. There are so many more opportunities out there for everybody. So I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. And to be honest, I feel so lucky and I'm so grateful uh, to have Swain and Sam on both at the same time as they were both in DFW. So it couldn't have happened any better. The aviation gods were upon us. They wanted this podcast to happen. So I appreciate it. Uh, And I appreciate Sam and Swain and their time because I know, especially Sam, always on the road traveling with the F-22 Raptor team. They're always busy. They're always doing things, promoting their team, promoting the Air Force. 
uh, to all the communities that they do. And Swain, as an airline pilot, always busy on the road as well. So I appreciate them giving me their time, sitting down, answering these questions for you guys. Uh, and hopefully some of the content that was produced today from Sam and Swain, that you guys were able to take something, enjoy it, learn from it, and hopefully it helped you as well, because that's why we do this podcast. So if you haven't already, make sure you head over to social media, go over to Instagram, at Avgeek Chronicles. Check out today's post. Make sure you go up there in the comment section. Leave your response to Sam and Swain's uh, question of the day for the audience. Make sure you go put your input out there. And don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you go leave and rate the podcast over on the Apple Podcast library application, whatever you want to call it. Go leave a rating and a comment because guys, you're your words of wisdom, your words will help make this podcast better. I do this for you guys. I want this you know, to be a learning experience for everybody, help to get to know all these awesome young faces uh, in the aviation world. So make sure you go leave a rating. We're always on the podcast to make it better. I'm here to make it better for you. And I can't do that without you leaving your ratings uh, and your comments as well. So thank you very much. And we will see you next time on the next episode of the Ad Geek Chronicles podcast. See ya.